Breaking news! PlayStation just got a new exclusive! It's a Christmas massacre. Well, hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me is none other than Mr. Christopher Figs. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Um, not great, honestly, just to be honest with <laughs> <laughs> the podcasting world. This is a pretty bad week for me, but that's okay. Let it all out, man. Dude, I'm just, I have, so I have a, apparent, at this point, I would say I have a predisposition to gout. I don't know if anyone knows what gout is, but it is a so, buildup of. Uh, go ahead, I will bro. act as someone who I understand the concept of gout. Mm-hmm. I've not in my life until you met anyone who has ever told me they had gout. Yeah, so it so, is a uh, excess buildup of like uric acid, which is mm-hmm. something that comes when you eat, and it collects in your joints. So my ankle is swollen like a baseball and I can't move. <laughs> so it's been really fun. I was telling Brad, I went to work today and I just couldn't do it. Um, it took like 15 minutes to get down to the parking garage, which is normally a two minute walk. And then called my mom because I needed help getting out of my car. She wasn't home. So then I just, I literally rolled out of my car onto the concrete and crawled into my house. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. Yeah. It looked like the makings of a zombie movie. You're just fucking like army crawling. <laughs> yeah, straight up. Straight up. I don't even know if the door to my car is closed right now. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Chris, that's um, that's it's been a rough time for you. You know, you were alone in the house uh, being haunted by ghosts. Oh, that was terrible, dude. Uh, did you ever at least find out if your parents were involved? And would you like to share the story with the with the class? Oh, well, my parents weren't involved in the first video I sent you. So I sent Brett this video of me just standing in my kitchen and you could hear just this like it sounded like it was like I don't know how well you could hear it, but it sounded like a rubber, like bouncy ball. Right. Yeah. And it was just bunk, bunk, bunk. And you could hear it. And I was standing like literally frozen in my kitchen because I was so creeped out for like 10 minutes. And then the weird thing is, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I went to take a video before the one I sent you. And as I hit record, it stopped. Like the moment I hit record, the bouncing stopped. Then I'm like, okay. So then I turned it off. I'm not joking when I say immediately started again. I stopped, I stopped recording, started bouncing again. But then I started recording the second time, sent you that video where you could hear the shit. And yeah, yeah. That was, it did not stop. Yeah. So that was terrible. And then I don't know. I, don't, I think you might have thought this was a joke, but I don't know how many. I don't think anyone can see it. But in this corner right next to me, directly to my, my right here, is a window. And I was staring into this window because there was a fucking face in it. And like, I know. I know that over there on the left side of my room is a curtain and a curtain rod and whatever. So it's just a trick of the light, but I heard a ghost upstairs and I saw a face in my window downstairs <laughs> and I was not. You didn't tell me that night. one. Oh no. So I'll tell you where that, where it continued. It picked back up for me. All of this happened in about the span of an hour and a half. Uh, I know that because I was watching scream four and right at the beginning <laughs> of scream four, I get Chris's message with the bouncing, you yeah. know, 
I didn't I didn't know what it was. It sounded like someone just kind of knocking like mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how much that's picking up, but that's basically what it sounded like. Yeah. Um, rhythmic. Yeah, it was very re- like repetitious. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And Chris was like, bro. <laughs> so I was laughing because the long-running joke is I don't believe in any of that stuff. So I just have a good time watching Chris freak out. Uh, and then about an hour <laughs> later, I get a picture from Chris of this like fucked up looking clown doll. Yeah. And he's like, I'm alone. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just kind of had to guess what that meant. I had to be like, okay, so I'm assuming this wasn't there. No, it wasn't. And now it is here. (laughs) And then Chris goes, I think it was my parents, but they're saying it's not, so I'm fucked up right now. (laughs) And then about a three-minute break while I'm watching the movie, Chris goes, goes, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm super high right now, so I'm kind of bugging out. (laughs) (laughs) What I I said after that, I was like, I'm super stoned, but I do feel like I'm in Silent Hill. Yeah, that's what it was. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm in Silent Hill. Yeah. So that was that was a great sense of uh, comedic timing that I don't even think you could realize how much better you made my watch through of Scream 4, which Scream 4 was already good. Yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah, I was having a good time, but you were just making it even better, you know? Uh, and my wife was right beside me just watching it unfold, which was fantastic. Um, have I ever told you? And then we'll get to go on the episode. But I've ever told you a story about something similar I did to one of my friends who's very, uh, he believes in ghosts and spirits and all those things. Mm, And uh, this has been, this is probably 2012 or 13. So it's been 10 years ago at least. Um, And he moved in and I lived in this house out in the country. It was a kind of a piece of shit, but our rooms were side by side and the air conditioning didn't work in the house, but the vents were still there. And I worked at this Mexican food restaurant that had a claw machine. Mm. And my buddy who lived with me prior to that, who worked with me, would always, he was really good at claw machines. So he won these two, it was like a leprechaun and a female leprechaun and then a pot of gold. And if you squeeze the two leprechauns, like if you squeeze the one leprechaun that was a boy, it sounded like a lower pitch laugh. And if you scream the girl, if you squeeze the girl one, it was the exact same laugh pitch <clears throat> shifted up to sound like a girl. And I then if like you squeeze the, the pot of gold, it was like, Bring! you know, <laughs> so I, he left those when he moved out and I was sitting in my room and I thought to myself as I'm sitting there looking at them, I was like, oh, man. So that night, I didn't do anything. But the next day, as we're playing Yu-Gi-Oh! and cards and stuff, we have friends over. I start talking about how my grandpa used to tell me stories of when he bought this place, uh, this land. There was some remnants of an old playground on it. And I was like, apparently some tragic thing happened to this You're set of asshole. twins. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I got into it. I said, yeah, these, these twins were like on a seesaw or something. And it's, you know, something happened. I can't remember the exact story, but they died a tragic, horrible death. These fake <laughs> twins. Yeah. Um, and then we go to bed and I wait like a good hour. No. <laughs> we're just in the room. So you I, just grandma spoiled him. <laughs> I was him. <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know. I went to the air vents because I knew it would travel through the air vents and oh, fuck with him fuck. even more. And so I went to my air vent and I squeezed them simultaneously. And since they're the exact same laugh, but pitch shifted down and up, <laughs> it sounded like this weird harmonious like, ha 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 ha
and through the wall. While I'm trying not to laugh to make it obvious that it's me, I just hear a, what the fuck? (laughs) And then I I would wait about seven, you know, eight minutes. And I'd kind of hear him stop mentioning, like, I could hear him settle down. And I'd stand back up and I'd do it again. And the the next morning he was like, bro, you're never going to believe this. Um, I, I let him, uh, I, I was able to keep a, a straight face and I got through one or two more nights w- with it before my girlfriend, now wife at the time, but she came back that weekend from college, mm-hmm. uh, to spend the weekend. And I told her, and when I went to go do it at that night, she was like, stop it. And he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he learned that way. It was a, it was a great way to, to ruin my fun. I was planning on having weeks. I was going to let it die for a while. And then bring yeah. it back like six weeks later. But, but alas, I didn't get that far. Yeah. I'm just saying, after all the weird paranormal shit that is ha- that you have witnessed happen on this show in my home, how you're like, I don't know, man. There is a literal episode of this podcast that has EVP in it. Yeah. Do you know how EVP happens? I don't, I'm not a goddamn ghost hunter. Do I look like Zach Baggins? It's sound. (laughs) (laughs) No, you look like T Baggins. Um, Wow. Yeah. So listen, EVP happens from electronic interference with waves that almost everything that we have these days put off. Mm -hmm. I'm not really that convinced by that. Everything else, Chris, is just you having an overactive imagination. I don't know, man. You know There's what does make me upset about your, your There's some ghosts <laughs> in this house. <coughs> so Chris has gout, and I'm just sick. I don't know what's it's happening. A, it's a goddamn banner episode for Triangle Square. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, I do miss that your camera is no longer pointed to where I can see the entryway, the uh-huh. threshold into your uh, your area, because I used to have a good time being like, bro, what was that? And you'd be like, don't fuck with me right now. <laughs> it's always so, worse when I'm alone here. Oh, yeah. You've had a couple of times lately where you've been like, no one is at this house, and yet here. Here it is. Yeah. Well, Chris, uh, this is not a ghost hunter podcast, um, and we've gotten our spooky ghostly stories out. Do you have something you want to add in? It (laughs) fucking could be. It could be. Patreon.com slash (laughs) Nartic. But if you're new to the show and you've stuck around through this, uh, welcome. We're usually talking about games through the perspective of uh, being PlayStation fans. So Chris and I both play games on all other systems. Right before we started recording, Chris was actually playing Mario Wonder. Mm. So uh, with that in mind, we, of course, talk about everyone in the industry, everything that they're doing and what we think is good and bad from pretty much all around the industry and every key player within it. Uh, If that sounds like your bag, then stick around. We hope you enjoy it's not like the craziest news week. There's some stuff going on um, with some potential movie rumors that are happening. We got some Mass Effect updates or teasers coming around. Uh, PlayStation's got its own new exclusive that we teased in the cold opening, as well as some other stuff. <laughs> but we start this show off in a rather time-honored tradition. And um, this week, that tradition gets a new twist, Chris, because I don't know if you remember... Um, but you just decided that even though we won, you were vehement. Oh, God. That we were going to do the entire what we've been playing section of the podcast in a British accent, in it? Oh, golly. All right, mate. That's, that's fucking Australian. 
whatever. I do Australian a little bit. Play better. a little footy. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Jamie Tart. Look at that. That was actually okay. Not bad. All right, Chris. I mean, <clears throat> all right, Chris. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <clears throat> Are we doing Australian now? Because I can. What you been playing, mate? Oi, bruv. Uh, I spent a good bit of time in the last two weeks. Obviously, we didn't have a show last week. Um, so I got the Platinum in Spider-Man 2. I right. Right, mate. You did too, yeah? <coughs> Sorry, I've got a case of the buggers. Um, Oi. Yeah. <laughs> so I got bad. the Platinum in Spider-Man 2, yeah. Oi, nice, bruv. Yeah. I love that. Oh, bruv. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, it looks we're like it was planned. so many laps. Right <laughs> oh, <now>. I know. <laughs> I mean, <coughs> we're offending so many people right now. Oi, God, the Barbies and the shrimp. Good lord, <laughs> none of that in Spider Man Two. Just a good, solid uh, bugger of a good time. Hmm. Mm. Well, you know um, what really got me bangers and mash going with <laughs> Spider Man Two. <laughs> What really got me bangers and mash going with Spider-Man 2 was uh, the incredible storyline. I mean, uh, also, I've completely given up on a British accent. (laughs) Apparently, I'm just doing this whole thing in a really fucked up Australian accent. Um, So, uh, uh, considering that we didn't lose the Velvet's Corner, I think that this is probably okay. Uh, We're we're, we're just going on it, mate. We're growing rogue, mate. I mean, you know. Oi. Put another like, shrimp on the fucking Barbie, mate. Hell yeah, bro. Let's go to uh, the Rainforest Cafe. Are, are you a UK drill rapper? <laughs> Pull up on the one, two, nine. <laughs> there's a song. There's a, there's a song in the new Need for Unhinged. Speed game that is like, get shit done like Ferb and Phineas. Yeah. <laughs> There was a, I used to have a kid at my old job who would uh, say like two lyrics of some drill. Mm. And I don't remember it now. It was like, oi, shrimps on a barbie, kangaroo kick you. <laughs> <laughs> that, look, look, mate, that was not bad. I, sa- I, sa- I sound like fucking Steve <laughs> Irwin had sex with Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it's Tom... Uh- <laughs> Tom Holland and not the dude who plays Venom that I can't think of. Isn't that Tom Hardy? (laughs) Do his Bane accent, but on Australian. (laughs) I don't even know how you do that one. You were born Mm. in the dark, mate. (laughs) I was molded by it, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shut the fuck up, bugger. All right. Um, yeah. So I platinum Spider-Man two. I. Oh, what happened my, to the accent, mate? Me apologies. Been, Wait a minute. Are you telling me you're not a bona fide Brit? No. No. I. I'm sorry. Oi, bugger. Maybe, maybe if you had won the war, I would be a bona fide Brit. Damn. So I'm a, a God-fearing American. Damn. Yeah. All right. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I gotta drop it. You you can continue doing whatever you want, mate. Hey, listen here. I would like to continue talking about how I platinum Spider Man 2. It's very Mm. good. 
Mm-hmm. I have my problems with it. I've just I discussed it on the last episode, but I have moved on. That that got weird. I felt that. I felt myself starting to roll letters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're trying to speak your native tongue. See, <laughs> si, senor, I did. I did get a little well, bit look. into uh, Alan Wakely mastered <laughs> <laughs> for platinum one twenty six. All right, so Chris, let's take a yeah. step back real quick. Uh, we're in. clearly not going to talk a whole lot about Spider-Man 2 for one particular purpose. Um, we don't want to spoil it. I will say this, though. I can say with absolute certainty that Spider-Man 2 is a fantastic game, and I had a blast with it. It's mm-hmm. very fun. The game still has problems, problems that a lot of open-world games have, where you are so destined to make content, and you're so geared towards making content, that at some point, you stop questioning whether the content actually makes the game better or not. (laughs) What are you, Ian Ian Malcolm or whatever? Oh, my God. (laughs) You were so preoccupied with whether you could. (laughs) You didn't stop to think if you should. Yeah. So, no, listen. Walking away from this game, I can tell you that uh, I've heard some people say that this surpassed the Batman games. Uh, This does not do anything. Having replayed Batman Arkham City and Arkham Knight, uh, both within the last three years, I can say with absolute certainty that while this game's story... And characters, I think, hit the highs of the Batman games uh, for its main campaign. Uh, I think that there's still something to be said about the fact that I there's story reasons that help make sense of it, and I think that they just did better about trying to hide the fact that they didn't have a much as much interesting side content with Spider-Man's other, you know, villains and people he interacts with. Uh, I ultimately think this game still fell far short from what Arkham City set as the standard for side content in these games. Now, just to be fair, <clears throat> as we kind of hinted on last week, that is not exclusive to Spider-Man. Uh, I think Infamous has largely not learned that lesson, and uh, uh, Infamous first or second son and whatnot had the same problems. I think that there have been plenty of open-world hero-like games that have exuded the same exact problem. But the reason that I don't think this game dethrones that is because while this game I think sits side by side holding crown with Batman Arkham City for me (coughs) excuse me um, as like one of the absolute best superhero adaptations that have been done in gaming um, I don't I just wish that a five year dev time ended up with a game that still had the same ultimate runtime because Arkham City even if you do everything is like still a 50 or 40 hour game but the side content is so much more varied there's so many more villains it's so much far less often do you feel like why am I even doing this and why is this in the game and I think the weird thing about that is Arkham City and Arkham Knight all got made very close to each other. Like, you know, Arkham Knight came out in 15, so it had a four-year dev cycle. Arkham City had like a two-and-a-half-year dev cycle. Uh, and they were able to jam-pack those games with a bunch of content, with a bunch of side characters. This game did make steps toward that, but ultimately having it go from one really rough side content uh, character involving a side story in the first Spider-Man game to having two more fleshed-out side content pieces where you actually get to follow a different villain and set something up just didn't do enough for me. I would have really liked to see more of what like Arkham City does where you have Asriel 
you have Hush, you have all these puzzles, these puzzle pieces that are coming together. You have Victor Zaz's phone calls and these riddles. You have the Mad Hatter. You have all these different people coming together to give you interesting and entertaining and very well-crafted side content that feels almost as good as the main story, if not as good. Uh, and I just don't think Spider-Man 2 hits those heights. Um, they're getting closer, and I don't know if they're hitting a point where their pipeline's going to make it possible to do that in the new game. But ultimately, still a great game. Hardly anything to really harp on. It just didn't dethrone the master for me. That's basically it. Yeah, so, I'm um, kind of in the same place as you, where I think I'm less upset with certain side content. I think some of it's really bad. Um, we won't spoil what that is, but I'm sure you'll sure. know when you play it. But I still, I'm curious, do you think that in terms of the story, the story is good, but don't you think it's too fast? Like, do you understand what I was saying last week where I'm like, I wish I, I had more time I, with this I, character? And this I get character. what you, I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I think I'm okay with the story because of the way they chose to frame it. Mm-hmm. And I think that the way that it plays out with the way that they frame the game from the get go works. I think that while I love this story and I think it's very good and it's awesome, I think it does sit with me in a different spot than the first game. I think the even pacing problems I have with the first game aside, the first game's more touching story and a little more grounded story I think works better for me. But there's a lot that this game does really well while not being hyper-personal. The game, I mean, there's no superhero that's not personal. There's a lot of very personal story moments between Miles, uh, Peter, their own traumas and things that they're going through, and then how those both interact with their interactions with each other. I'm very, I was very impressed that with a game with two main leads, how well both of them had their own stories and their own arcs that were happening separately from each other, but constantly kind of crisscrossing into each other and how well they played off of each other and how well it ultimately resulted. I think the game surprised and delighted me in its story often. And I thought the game was at its best whenever I was just drilling away at its story. Uh, I do think Traversal is way more fun. uh, But like you said, it just comes down to the side content. Some of it was good. Some of it was not as good. Um, I will go as far as to say, I, I guess I think that the side content is more good than it is bad. I agree. Ultimately. So, I mean, it's, it's not the, and bad is a really strong word. It's just not compelling. And I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you in the main story department, but I think that it framed itself in a way that lended to its telling working within that context even if i agree that it would have been cool to see more characters but i think it used most of its characters the way it needed to and then moved on yeah i guess that's my thing and without i think i'm gonna dance around spoilers but i think there's one thing they do in this game which i didn't expect that was very cool but then the fact that they never do it again and it would have set a perfect opportunity for me to get more time with said character. You know, if, if you were going to let me have, if you were going to let me experience certain things and then never bring them back. And then I'm standing here like, oh, I wish I could have done, you know, which have had, could have had more time with Peter or I could have had more time with any of the other myriad of characters. I'm not even spoiling the obvious ones right now. If I could sure. have any of those characters, right. <coughs> I wish you would have given me more time, especially when you're showing me that you're willing to, you know, 
expand the way that you tell your story, right? I hope that that's surrounded enough. I don't know. Yeah, I I get what you mean. And, you know, I'm not trying to harp on the side content, but I do also want to say that uh, the way that you choose to frame the events of your main story can really (laughs) help influence how you get to set up side content. And one thing I'll give this game is even though I think it struggles a bit in trying to find a compelling way to set up side content, Arkham City and to a lesser degree Arkham Knight, Arkham City has a perfect reason to why lore wise you don't really have to find creative ways to set stuff up because the whole game is just set in a part of gotham that's been closed off and basically turned into a full-blown prison and the upside of that is you don't have to think about civilians you don't have to think about police you don't really have to think about anything other than batman being in this enclosure um I think Spider-Man gets a little weirder because it's big. It's a city. You want it to be people who are interacting, seeing people walking around, living their everyday lives, being in the parks, enjoying themselves, driving their cars. And that does make it a little harder to set up interesting interactions with side content characters because they can't as easily just make themselves, here's a base that's super obvious because and it plays into the way the story works. So I get it. And it is what it is. Um, and I think that ultimately... If they if if it came down to a decision where the the main story they wanted to tell meant that they needed to be able to show something that kept the side content from being as compelling as it could have, I think they made the right choice. And mm-hmm. there are some t- there are some times in the last like three hours of that game where I was jaw to the floor, could oh, not yeah. believe what I was seeing. S- incredible, some of the best showcases of certain characters in. in in alternate media that I have seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that they did a really good job. Uh, and then I think it wrapped up in a really great way. I don't want to say too much because I don't even want to give the kind of tone or anything away. Just, I was, uh, I was very happy with, with where the game chose to, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was really things. cool when, you know, Stanley ate the planet. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I kind of miss when games had crazy wild alternate endings like that. Yeah. Like the one in um Do you remember Edge of Shadows had the two endings? I think it's a Web of Shadows had the two endings. Web of Shadows, yeah. <laughs> you just had emo Venom Spider-Man just rule the world. A great ending. I love it. <laughs> it's incredible stuff. Yeah. You know, it's anyway. funny you bring up Web of Shadows because I mm. think uh I don't even want to say too much to spoil it, but I think that there's some uh, inspiration for the way they chose to do Venom in this game uh, with Web of Shadows. I could see that. Man, that's the crazy thing. We were talking in the Discord. Uh, I do think Insomniac Spider-Man games are the best Spider-Man games. Uh, They're just so well done, high production value, everything. Um, But I think it's absolutely just patently false to act like Spider-Man wasn't getting absolute banger games before Insomniac. They absolutely were. It's just, it was very hit or miss. You'd have absolute bangers like Web of Shadows, which has some issues, but considering when it came out, it was pretty minimal. And then you have things like uh, Edge of Time is okay. Like, I still like it. I think it's a good game, but it seems more rushed than something like Shattered Dimensions, which was an incredible game. So... Amazing Spider-Man 1, great game. Amazing Spider-Man 2, I don't know what the fuck happened. (laughs) You know, so all I want is for people to give B-Nox a little, put some respect on their name, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. they were victims of Activision, and and Activision's crazy. We need a game out in this time limit with this budget, make it fucking happen. And sometimes they did great with that 
limitation and sometimes they didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so the other games i've played uh, that was it for you with spider-man not to transition yeah. us no over that go much. ahead you got it um <clears throat> so if you've followed us in the discord i have been i bought alan wake 2 very excited one of my most desperate games of the year and decided i wasn't going to play it so <laughs> i'm playing i just got the thank you by the way and you're welcome that was actually honestly like People know we game share. That was why I bought it. I was like, I told Brett I'm going to buy it. So I'm like, fuck it. I bought it. And then, um, yeah, so I decided that I was going to take the long route to Alan Wake 2. And I just platinumed Alan Wake Remastered. That is a fantastic game I never want to play again. I don't know how to... 100% the way. And that's the problem is since I didn't approach it with Platinum in mind, uh-huh. which I had never played it before, to be fair, you had. You were replaying it. Yeah, that was my, uh, this is my third time. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a great game. I, I think this game, the new one, has done a lot to improve upon the formula. I will <laughs> not say much more than that. Uh, but it actually <clears throat> still carries some of the few complaints i had with the first game in a very specific area uh but yeah i think alan wake remastered is a game that i i think everyone should play once but i think Mm -hmm. most people are okay to play it once once yeah though i know someone's listening to this like i play it every year (laughs) that you're not wrong for that no he plays the order i don't think i could do it i do play the order a lot so yeah i I will not throw stones alan wake is it's remaster specifically it's uh really fun that's the thing. There's nothing un. It's and, just and it's not super long. No, it's. it's I like think I I beat Nightmare Mode when I wasn't going for collectibles. I beat it in a day. You know, so it wasn't like that much. Yeah, like if you're um, not real, if you're not fully exploring, it's probably much quicker. But even fully exploring, I think I beat the game in like 18 hours. Yeah, it's not. It and like I, a clear, I didn't get the platinum, so fully exploring. <laughs> I just mean that. I never saw what looked to be a place I could explore and didn't go. I may have missed some shit, but yeah. it wasn't for lack of trying. And there's some obs- the, some of the collectibles were obscure, which is weird. That's the one weird thing about Alan Wake, right? The manuscripts are like borderline essential for understanding the game. And, and some optional. of them are so fucking off the beaten path yeah. that it's crazy to me. Um but yeah, it's it's just it's awesome. It, it's just one of those things where it's you you feel how old it is. You know, like I was doing one, and this is a trophy specific problem, but it it's it's about you know, I'm going through this game, and there's this one section where you're supposed to get for, with Officer Sarah and go to the helicopter. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You're running through Bright Falls, and the whole trophy is don't die. And I'm playing this on easy. And I get hit once. I'm like, whatever. And then with no announcement of them at all, and the camera didn't turn, it came from off camera, fucking three of them all hit me at once, and I died. (laughs) And I'm like, is this for real? This is easy mode. Why are you making this so hard? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And the crazy part is some of the trophies like that I got on Nightmare. Like, you know, go through... It was like go from the dam to mount something else. The last chapter, you have to go without taking whole, damage, without shooting. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And that was actually really brutal because there's a yeah. couple times where you have to like go inside a place while they're attacking you, press a button, and then go across them. It was not, it was not hard. But I did it on Nightmare, and then I failed 
on easy mode to not die. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um yeah, I, I'm really happy I'm going through it this way. The story is just so fun. It's so weird. Um the one thing and I, I've heard this is the one thing I one of the things I've been spoiled on with Alan Lake too is the Taken have lost the absolutely outrageous dialogue they have, which is one oh, of my yeah. favorite parts of Alan Wake 1, where it's like you see this this like miner with a giant axe jump out a window and he just goes, renter's insurance is very important. And then he just hits you over the head with an axe. That stuff is incredible. And it, it sounds like that's <clears throat> not in Alan Wake 2. It, it, it's weird because it's it definitely hints at it. But it, I don't want to say too much. Your health. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say too much. Um, but I do want to talk about the fact that you're playing Control now. You're I off of Alan control, Wake yeah. and you're on Control. Um, two questions. A, does Control Ultimate Edition include the uh, expansions? Yep, has everything. I figured. That's good. That means I can go back and play them. Because I am going to play it after Alan Wake 2. I know that there's some pretty important stuff. I, mm-hmm. Without saying too much, I, I don't even think it's a spoiler at this point. Remedy has made no secret of the fact that they are clearly trying to put Control's world and Alan Wake's world in the same and play off of that. So there's a lot of nods. There's a lot of nods to Control already in the, in Alan Wake two and I'm two chapters in. Um, So that's cool. But this is your first time actually playing through Control to the point of trying to beat it. Correct. Correct. Yeah. I've played it before, but never, I didn't get very far. I'm actually where I am. I was before, like I just got to the ocean view, which I hadn't seen before, and oh. that was so cool. Here's the thing that I love the most about Control and has me really hyped about Alan Wake 2 <clears> is visually, there's nothing like that game. The coolest fucking motif is when you're walking through and it's just Trench's shadow smoking a cigarette and talking to you. I'm like, this shit is so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. This is so dope. Yeah. It's very David Lynch. Like, yeah. but you and don't it, see that in video games very often. No, and they and they're not hiding that. Like, Night Springs, oh, not <laughs> even a little bit. Yeah, that's just Twin Peaks stuff. Yeah. Um, Speaking well, actually, with the, a little bit, not too much of a ta- tangent, but Blake, if you're listening, watch In the Mouth of Madness before you listen to what I what I'm about to say because I'm about to spoil it. That that's the same fucking story. And it's have you seen In the Mouth of Madness? Uh, no, but I I know about it. I need to watch it, but I have friends who's spoiled it for me. But because I hear how good of a movie it is, I I don't know that I would say it's a good movie. Uh, I well, I thought it was let me interesting. Say this. The ending the, is great. That's really what I mean. The ending uh, is and the reason is I have a few friends who are like big John Carpenter fans, and I think John Carpenter is great. So I mean, I'm not really I don't have anything against that. Um, I hear I would say this. I haven't heard anyone say that it's it's not good or anything. I don't even hear that it's great. I just hear that it's a must-see movie. That's the way agree. that they phrase it. I would agree. It, there's just some weird stuff. Like it's got Sam Neill in it, who I love. And I turned mm-hmm. to because we all watched it on Halloween. I just picked a random scary movie. So it was like me, Sadie, and my parents, and we all watched it. And I looked at my dad at one point and I was like, is he doing a British accent? Or is it a bad accent? Like I don't know yeah. what he's doing here. Um well, some people don't know. Like the the reason that I've never seen it, but the whole conversation came because we were talking about John Carpenter. We were talking about how we love the thing, and then they got on this thing about how John Carpenter refers to three movies as the Apocalypse trilogy, yeah. which is the thing, Prince of Darkness, and then In the Mouth of Madness. And I've never seen Prince of Darkness or In the Mouth of Madness. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, I'll say this much. The whole point of In the Mouth of Madness, and this is why the, the whole movie has not been spoiled, but I know it's very H.P. Lovecraft inspired and a lot of weird shit is happening. Yep. And I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil it for anyone else either, um, even small things. But it's, it's no surprise that it's weird. It is very weird. They yeah. Very much Alan Wake vibes from In the Mouth of Madness. But yeah, so um, yeah, Control is just... it's So far, it's awesome. I... The gameplay, I'm not too hot on yet, but I think the story... See, that's is, interesting. I was going to ask, what was it that pulled you out of it last time? Timing? The map, or the, just, map, the map is fucking terrible, and I didn't know where I was going. That was the uh, only and, reason. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean... It's yeah. terrible. It's terrible. It's not good. I'm a, I, I think I remember from when I was playing it on PS5, most of the weird... Uh, performance issues and i won't really even say were performance issues but they technically were are gone like if you pause or went to the map or anything in that game whenever you went back to gameplay it'd be like frozen for like four seconds or five oh, seconds yeah. um and then you'd be like when's it gonna come <clears throat> back and then suddenly you'd be like Whoa, and you'd be like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> and there were some other weird things that would just happen uh like that so none of it was just awful but it was just like you could tell it was them trying to keep from ever having to have an actual loading screen if they didn't absolutely need to yeah but it yeah. was even something like going to the start menu you'd be like why the fuck does that cause this like i'm going to a menu <laughs> right but, I will say even on PS4 Pro, I mean, Control is a good-looking game, oh, which it's is true of I, – I love the Northlight engine because it's, it's, a, it's an engine that it, – it does look – how do I even say this? It, it's true in Alan Wake 2. Alan Wake 2 is the best use of the North Point engine, which is no surprise because mm. it's the newest game and it's on hardware that has a lot more. But – what I love about it is that it looks hyper-realistic while also looking like it's not even trying to look hyper-realistic. Yeah. And I don't mean that like it's effortlessly being it. I mean like it looks hyper-realistic and then it's like, yeah, we've done that. So now we're just going to make things look overly contrasted and stuff on purpose. Like it's a, there's a visual style to the way they use yeah, that it's engine. that purposely I think works uncanny really well. valley in a lot of ways. Yeah. But right. not n- hardly ever in character models, no. unless they want you to look at the character model and be like, "What the fuck's this guy's problem?" Yeah, yeah. I it's think you're hard supposed to. Describe. to yeah, it's the environments must make you uncomfortable. But yeah, so I'm I'm excited to play more of Control. I'm really enjoying nice. it. And then Alan Wake Two, baby. Yeah, All right. The, well, let's uh, let's speed through this. I think you have one last game, Super Mario Wonder. I have been playing Super Mario Wonder. Uh, it's a, it's it's a fine game. I like it, but I don't particularly love platformers. I was just heard so much good stuff that I'm like, I'm going to give it a shot. And I'm still playing it, so that's cool. But yeah, I'm not. It's not. It, I don't know. It. I, I could see it. I don't really play Mario. Games someone's because I'm game of the not year a big Mario fan. Yeah, it's it's cute. Like whatever, but yeah, it's one of those things where people are like, "You don't like Mario," and I'm like, "I'm not saying they're badly made games because I don't believe no, they're that. fantastically made." Games. Um, they just don't speak to what I like about platformers. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And, you know, platformers are, are a lot like any other genre, or the more you like the genre, the more you start to pick up on the differences. It's kind of like racing. Some people like, aren't all racing games the same? And then people who are really into <clears> racing <throat> games are like, if you think Need for Speed is at fucking all like Gran Turismo, you're insane. But <laughs> if you don't play racing games, they kind of are the same. <laughs> yeah. Cargo room. That's it. Y- yeah. So... It's, it's kind of like that in platformers where like if you're not really into platformers, 
you don't know the big long term running argument between floaty and precise. And some people really like floaty and some people like floaty as long as it still has a precision to it, but there's still a floatiness that gives us more precision, like more forgiveness. And then some people like hyper precision, like super meat boy, where it's just like, if you fuck up, you're done. <laughs> so it, it's weird. It's kind of like, Every platform, which is true for all games, right? Shooters are the same way. Every shooter feels slightly different, even though they're similar. Like you're playing and you're like, I mean, they're all similar, but these games feel different. Um, yeah, platformers are really wild. And what makes people like certain platformers is way the fuck off for different people for different reasons. Yeah. It's interesting, man. I don't know. I'll probably beat Mario, but that's about the extent of it. I'd be surprised to see you beat a platformer game because what's the last one you beat? Meat Boy? Yeah. Meat Boy's so Meat good. Boy. Holy shit. <laughs> I consider yeah, going yeah. back every once in a while and trying to get the platinum, but it's so That's a wild. Hard. That's a hard platinum. Yeah, you got to beat them all without dying. I watched a guy do it. It's like a 40-minute video of him just like profusely sweating and swearing. It's awesome. <laughs> Dude, good for him. I mean that. <laughs> Beating that game, if you look at the trophy for how many <clears> people <throat> who have played the game have beat it, it's surprisingly low. <laughs> <laughs> or at least it was back when I checked. It's been like 2016, probably. Let's find out. It might be better now. Um, the platinum on PSN profiles is at a 0.37. Um, beat the game is at a 6.03. Yeah, that's pretty slow. <laughs> Which, to be fair, most this is the games don't get beaten. No. Oh, true. yeah. So 3.7 for everybody about. else. Uh, one of the more one of the things that trophies <laughs> have revealed is that most people don't beat games. Yeah. Except Spider-Man games, apparently. Yeah. Sony is a pretty good list of... Most Sony games have a fairly high completion rate. Yeah, they do. So, it is what it is. Uh, I, I played more Baldur's Gate 3, finally making some progress on there. Donovan hopped on with me, and we got... We were making our way into uh, Act 2 and doing some cool stuff. There's multiple options for how you approach Act 2, so I don't really want to spoil anything. Um, but I'll say this You guys playing uh, Evil or... Good. Good. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> That's the better way to play the game. We're not, we're not pure good, though. I'm not like goody two-shoes. I'm a necromancer, my guy. I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, I, I'm willing to... Here's the thing. At that point, just be evil. No, 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 no. Listen, hear me out, and you'll understand. My big Australian demon mommy... I don't know why she's Australian when she's a demon in a land that doesn't have Australia, but she, that's what she sounds like. Um, my big Australian demon mommy, Carlac. I don't like to do things that she disapproves of. And it turns out she really doesn't like people doing mean and or evil things. Got it. Not a fan of murder. So I got to say, even though I'm a necromancer, I'm on a relatively tight leash. Uh, Carlac keeps me cinched up. That is very kinky. I love it. Good for you. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm working so hard to get her cooled off. I, I I was trying to see what I could do, so I blasted her with an ice spell. Did it work? <laughs> it worked long enough for us to kiss. Really? And then so there's like an actual inter- interaction for that? 100%. That's really dope. Yeah. I was just looking at her in fire, and I was like, what the fuck could I do to cool her off? Because like the night before we were talking, like uh, we'll, we'll brainstorm ways where I could probably cool you off. And I thought it was just bullshit like dialogue that someone would say. And I was like, we'll just have to go do the quest to fix her infernal engine or whatever. And then I was just sitting there, and I was like, 
can I just blast this bitch with water or ice? And I was like, I don't have a water spell, but I have ice spell. And whenever I did it, she was like, <gasps> a cutscene immediately started. She was like, that might work. And really? she leaned. Yeah, I was like, Fuck <clears throat> yeah, dude. That's cool. That game and games like it, I love how they just have a bunch of shit for what if you chose to try this? It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I like it. So. Baldur's Gate 3 is great. Uh, Alan Wake 2 is great. I won't say too much because I know you don't want to be spoiled. But what I will say is uh, it's learned a lot of of lessons from other horror games. And it is definitely leaning more survival horror than I think the first game did. um, Considerably. And I think that it chooses a few really good games from its contemporaries to try and model itself after. And I think it does a good job doing that. at the end of the day, though, the same complaint that I have of the first game is alive and well here, and it's not the end of the world. But I just find that the combat is a little clunky. And in the first game, this is one of those things where it's just like world building. In the first game, I was it still annoyed me, but A, the first game was 11 years old by the time I played it, maybe 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. And I'm a writer in a fucked up situation. I'm probably not going to be that graceful or good with a gun. Yeah. The problem is, is that as is not really a spoiler to anybody, you play as Saga to begin the game, and she is very clearly, as the teasers have showed, an FBI agent. So I'm like, why is this bitch bad with a gun and clumsy in her movement? She's fully trained. Yeah. Even I, even if she is what I think she is, and I'm pretty sure she is. Yeah, I think she's it the same thing. It, it, it doesn't <laughs> fucking it doesn't matter because she's good at all this other shit. So I won't say the answer to what I'm saying, but there's no reason she should not be good with a gun. I almost would. I almost think the game would be more interesting if if her gunplay sections were a lot more like control and just really tight and super controlled and kind of actiony. And then when you play as Alan, it's still that kind of oh shaky and like you know this isn't his ground. This isn't what he's good at. And I think that would be far more interesting from a gameplay storytelling standpoint. But way harder to develop from a gameplay design yeah. standpoint. Uh, but dude, what I wouldn't give. To have someone with enough balls to have done that. That would have been cool as shit. Probably very expensive. <laughs> that is true. I would It turns Alan Wake from like a 16-hour game to like a four-hour game. But look what we did. <laughs> yeah, right? Look how cool this section is. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I really think that the game has done well being uh, a lot bigger. Uh, but still kind of keeping its roots of what Alan Wake was at heart. And I'm excited for you to play it. It's very good. Uh, And I think it's only going to get better. So I haven't played as Alan yet, but I I have a feeling it's on the horizon. Hell yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man 2 Platinum. And dude, Lies of P is so fucking good. Oh, it is so good. It's also incredibly frustrating, but dude, Two things. Some of the coolest action shit and cool lore. And maybe I'm going to side with Crash on this with my buddy Corey. I think it is in the running for maybe having the coolest and most in-depth and interesting lore of any of the Soulsborne games. Yeah. But I haven't beaten it yet, so I can't say that with absolute certainty. One thing I will say is this game takes a lot of inspiration from other games uh, and the way it chooses to do its like locales and its stories and certain elements to the game. And there is a very, very obvious and big inspiration that comes from the original Near, Near Replicant. And I am fucking loving it. Hell yeah. I won't say too much, but. 
two things to note. When you're playing the game, certain bosses will have language that you can't read, even though you have subtitles on. It looks like Korean. It's not. There's a reason for that. And two, you should absolutely replay the game because you get to understand that language. So you beat you it? replay the game. No, but I'll talk with Corey about it. And uh, I am I don't know how far I am from beating it, but I am having a blast. I chose to play Alan Wake 2 because Liza P can get frustrating when you get stuck on something. Like I've mm-hmm. there was a boss I was on where I had to completely change my playstyle. And um, I finally got it, but it was really, you know, jarring for me to have to switch. But I, you know, man, I just I really liked the way that it had the freedom for me to kind of do that. Uh, also, this is gonna sound weird coming off of a game that's as pretty as Spider-Man 2 can be, and Alan Wake is also gorgeous, dude. There's some beautiful environment moments where you're like, holy shit. Um, But I don't know that I care if games ever really look better than Lies of P or Bloodborne. They just, those games look great. They're smooth. Lies of P is 60 frames per second, almost flawlessly. It looks great. Outside of the fact that it's not animated super well because you're never actually directly up close on very many people's faces. I, like, dude, if, if games just look like that but had better animation, I'd totally be happy. Is it cool to gawk over games that do more? Yeah, but Liza P looks fucking great. Yeah. The entire time I'm playing, I'm like, this just looks good. Like, I, I, I have zero complaints. There's not a single moment in the game where I'm like, yeah, this looks like shit outside of animation. But that's just, why would you animate? That's not what this game's about. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. It, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I don't need games to look better. I don't even need games to look this good. Michael, just, dude, Alan Wake 2 looks awesome, but I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. with you. If Alan Wake 2 just looked like Control again, I'd be happy. Honestly, yeah. it looks not that different from Control. Yeah. Control looks great. <laughs> it does. Uh, you know, I, it is what it is. But we're going to go ahead and move on to the community's take, where this week we asked you guys, um, what was the publisher the in the it publisher going on right now and if there was another publisher that you think people should be keeping an eye on as they're making their way to maybe being the it publisher uh we got a few answers we got one of our patrons who went over to patreon.com slash nartech and gave us little a dollar per month uh mr rude cold long time friend of the show long time listener long time patron he says, I tend to like Annapurna Interactive published games as they offer really unique indie titles that are polished yeah, and tend to have something special about them. Agreed. I think Annapurna has been behind some of the most interesting games as of late, at least <clears> from an <throat> actual publisher standpoint. Some of the other very interesting games are just self-published, which kind of makes it different. But looking at the job of a publisher, I think Annapurna has got a good eye. They're the A24 of gaming. Yeah. You know who? I, no, I'm, I'll wait till the end to see if anyone mentions these guys. All right. We got an interesting one here from another patron, longtime listener. Rude Days 93 says Sega. I think Sonic, the Yakuza series, and Persona, they're really hitting a lot of genres, whether 2D, 3D, action, or turn based. And what's crazy is clearly Sega has far more examples than what he gave, but even in the examples he gave, Sonic has got 3D platformers. 2D platformers, racing games, <laughs> fucking <laughs> anything you want. The Yakuza <clears throat> series has got turn-based, real-time action, detective-solving shit. <laughs> <laughs> Procedural cop drama. Persona has got turn-based, fucking soccer. <laughs> Baseball. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, what baseball and a bunch of other shit like puzzle games, dancing, rhythm games. I mean, the yeah. hottest doctor in video games. Tate I think I think Sega understands how to really make an IP and then just be like, what all could you do with this IP? Kind of like you were talking last week's episode about how everyone hears Marvel and games and they all think it's going to be something similar. But the reality mm-hmm. is, is that you can do anything with that. Like you make any game. You, you could be like, we're going to make a fucking heavy rain style Jessica Jones game where you're oh, like a, just a hard boiled detective and you're going through like That's a fucking awesome idea. Max Payne, Jessica Jones. Fuck yeah, let's go. Dude, I put in the Discord a little bit after that conversation. So I was taking a, a shower, and I decided that I wanted a Phoenix Wright game, except it's Nelson and Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> Why like, the fuck not, dude? Yeah. It's got a Marvel title in the beginning, so I'm not interested in it. That would be fucking dope. Yeah. There's a lot of great ideas with a lot of great characters. And the thing is, is some of the characters that Marvel comes up with don't really make sense in an action game, but they no. make sense in other games. Yeah. Give me a clay-developed Black Widow game that's just Mark of the Ninja. Like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> it's, not my, it's not my fault people making these games are not creative. Dude. About how, what game they're going to make give here. Techno, give, uh, give Ninja... Uh, what what the fucking what is the name of that? Tecmo Koi and no, not Ninja Theory. The people that make Ninja Gaiden. I Team can't Ninja right now. Team Ninja. Uh, give them fucking Black Widow. Let me let me see a Black Widow fucking game that's essentially Ninja Gaiden Sigma. Yeah, super fucking hard. Uh, yeah, in many ways, just a fucking Souls like Black Fro- Widow. Give FromSoft a Thor game. Why the, Why the fuck, fuck not? not? Look at us. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. I don't think from want to do that, but of I mean, if not, they wanted to, fucking yeah, do it. Why not? You could um, do any of that. Fuck, give the guys of Lies of P the Thor game. It's yeah, easy money. <laughs> oh, Continue. let's see. And of course, I didn't open everything where I should have, but I know that we also got one from a uh, longtime listener. Um, Mr. Savoy Prime. Let me go track it down real quick. Get it up. He said, um, Sony is a top publisher, in my opinion, which is kind of where this came from, right? Chris, you were asking like a Sony kind of the publisher right now. Uh, but he says he thinks a publisher folks should be, uh, shouldn't be sleeping on, but are is focus entertainment. And uh, I agree. I think uh, even back when they were focus home interactive, they have very consistently good games. Uh, they put out Plague Tale, incredible game. Uh, and I sadly have still not played the sequel, but I quite love Plague Tale. And I think they had a good eye there. Uh, Focus Home put out uh, one of my favorite games of last gen and just that absolute banger. Uh, one of the last Spiders games, if you can believe it. And I don't know why I am skipping on the name. It's Fall. I just can't think of the beginning of it right now. Greedfall. Greedfall, thank you. I, knew Which, it, I was trying to think Grimfall, and I was like, what the fuck? I know it's not yeah. Grimfall. Ironically, uh, I just redownloaded that. Dude, Greedfall is so good. I've been thinking about playing it because I, I fucking love the story. It's really dude, well done. Everyone listening to this, I just convinced Sean to buy Greedfall. Greedfall is on sale for $10. Oh, The DLC yeah. is like $2. Go buy it. Don't I don't even give a shit about the DLC. I've never seen it, but it's more. That game got content. given for free on PS Plus, but yeah, yeah if you he, don't have it, go buy it. The game's yeah. fucking. It rules. The it's a, it's PS5 a, version doesn't transfer. So the P, if you want oh. the PS5 version, it's ten dollars. 
Go do it right now. It's it's worth ten dollars. It's like a sixty hour RPG. It's fucking it's so good. awesome. And it's like an old Bioware RPG. Oh where yeah. You actually lock yourself into paths of upgrading, but what you choose to upgrade helps you get around the world in different ways. How creative you want to be can help you solve different problems. There's co- you can. I, I, just, I love it. If you want to be a magic user or, or someone who chooses to be good with like potions and spell, like shit like that, you can concoct shit and use it like science basically to blow your way into certain areas that are restricted. You can be smart and guys and collect costumes and just fucking waltz into an area wearing the thing and be like, yeah, I fucking belong here. Or you can just be a smooth talker and just talk your way through everything. Or you can just fucking bludgeon everyone. Like, fuck you. I'm (laughs) supposed to be here. Die. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. One of the day after RoboCop Rogue City, which is apparently winning our platinum competition, by the way. Um, Fuck yes, dude. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Honestly, if I hadn't started Alan Wake, I was going to buy it and start it because it's a very short <laughs> game, but so is Alan Wake 2. So, so I, I think I'm going to beat Alan Wake 2 and then play that. All right. I can, oh, I can yeah. buy it right now if you want to play it, but play Control, no, I, Chris, for once I'm, in your life. Stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> I, be, I believe in you. I want my Alan Wake Control and Alan Wake 2 deal, uh, trophies right next to each other. Yeah, that's your motivation. You don't want to be checking your trophies list and have it fucked up. You got this. No, I believe in absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah, could you be- could you imagine if you had a bunch of shit between your Mass Effect platinum? No, Ugh. I couldn't. That's Ugh. why I didn't platinum a game for like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got one more. I'm going to read and then we're going to move on. We have Velvet Thunder. He says, I don't really pay much attention to the publishers. It's all about the individual studios making the games. I can't think of any publishers whose games I like across the board. And that's clearly a very measured, reasonable response. Mm-hmm. Um Commit. Even the best publisher eventually makes a game that you don't like, right? It just happens. Um, but That's I think I'm pretty lucky to have been able to find a number of publishers where most of the time what they're putting out, I'm into. Whether I end up playing it or not, it's a different conversation because like, Focus Home puts out so much shit that all of it looks good to me, but I don't have enough time to play every yeah. fucking Warhammer game and oh, you know, everything Marine else. Space Marine 2 is going to be so good. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, isn't uh, Banishers uh, of New Eden, fucking Focus them, Home yeah. Interactive or yeah, Focus so. Entertainment, uh, and that's from Don't Nod, and they also put out Vampire, great game, fucking. Well, they that uh, game. they delayed that, right? Uh, Banishers, I, th- I think they moved it. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep, it's Don't Nod and Focus Home. Yeah, February thirteenth. Yeah, Eden. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, really, there's endless opportunity for what people are really into uh there's a lot of good publishers out and about in the game but it, it's good that nobody gave the same answer twice so chris mm-hmm. what was your ace in the hole that you thought of um, i don't think De- anyone said it devolver devolver is good they're just a very specific type of game so if you don't like the type of game they make you're yeah, not gonna you know. you're not even really gonna know they're on the map but they have hotline miami which is oh dude they have so much impeccable shit. Hunter aren't the Gungeon, they the people? I think, is them. Yep. I was about to say, aren't they the people that did um, the... Shit, what is it called? Cult of the Lamb, them? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, I don't know why I can't think of the name of the game right now, but it is the Shadow it of the Colossus 2D version game. You know? Cult of the Lamb is Devolver. They oh, did Inscription. You're talking about incredible. Soul Sacrifice? 
No, not Soul Sacrifice. It's a Soul and Sanctuary. 2D, uh, no, it's called. Oh shit! Why'd you do that? You <laughs> you almost ha- I almost had it because of you. Ugh. You you've ruined me. It's Titan Souls. Oh yes, yeah, I the- think Titan Souls is them, and Titan Souls is incredible. Yeah, it's so good. Song um, has that platinum, right? Also, they did the Talos Principle, and the Talos Principle is one of my favorite games. Yeah, I want you to know I included that on the monthly game vote for you specifically. My man, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. I almost um, put sponsored by Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I will be playing that game. Um, I don't know exactly when, but I will be playing that game. The first one is genuinely one of my favorites. It looks like um, they may not have put out Titan Souls. Oh, no, they did. Okay, I about to say I thought I was I was like, there's no way 2015 Titan Souls. Yeah. Ollie, they also Ollie did Ollie Ollie. Yeah, Look they did Breach and Clear. Damn, I mean, dude. honestly, dude, they got Downwell, also a great game. Oh, Downwell um, fucks, dude. I love yeah. Downwell. <coughs> oh, Shadow they did the Warrior. Shadow Warrior games, yeah. Dude, what is going on? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? I mean, you're just saying the exact same shit all episodes. Oh, Absolver, minute. great game. I like Absolver. They did Minute, yep. which I I've never finished. I heard it's good. Grizz was them. Grizz is good. Oh yeah, oh, I don't dude, actually know how you say that game. Yep. Is Sea of Stars them too? Uh, no, Sea of Stars I sea think Stars was self self published. Uh, self published, yeah. Wizards Which is great for them. That's great. Yeah, I mean they're they're a very interesting developer. They did Death Door, which people seem to love. Uh, I thought that was a really good game. Death Door is cool. <clears throat> they also got, did that uh, skateboarding game where you're a banana. Pedro, my friend oh, Pedro. My friend Pedro. It's not a skateboard yeah. game. It's a action shooter. Well, but I mean, like you can ride a skateboard. <clears throat> yeah, it's like an action shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a wild game. So, uh, yeah, they're a they're a really good publisher too. But like I said, they're very specific. So like, I'm glad they're doing Talos Principle too. I don't know if it's because yeah. they own the rights to it or what, but you know, they're oh they're also doing uh, the Plucky Squire. Oh, nice. that, that game that was showing good. during uh, I think during the PlayStation showcase or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah devolver's not a bad choice there's a lot of good publishers we're in a as everyone's been saying this year it's it's a good time to eat you know <laughs> it is it's a good, it's a good time. time to eat uh let's go ahead and move into the news game. though chris unless you have something that you'd like to get off your chest um <coughs> no i did I'm that's good. what i just did i had to cough nice i had to get some of that congestion off uh dude i was in a coffin mate <laughs> I was basically purring the other night because, like, oh. I was so congested that as I was reaching the end of my exhale, it would just be like, <laughs> <laughs> and my wife is laying down and she just turns around and goes, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Did she start petting you? Because that would have been the funniest fucking thing. No, but that would have been funny. She was. She told me she's like, "You sound like Tabby," <laughs> and I was like, "That's fair." Tabby, if you do not know, is podcast story. kitten. She's um. She's an old girl. She's 16. Now. Podcast. Or cats. Podcast. Podcast cat. But Chris, you should be happy about the first piece of news as uh, anyone else who's just a huge fan of what many consider to be Bioware's magnum opus. Apologies. And that is that happy and seven day, everyone. To celebrate, Bioware has released a small teaser and a character poster for a character in the upcoming Mass Effect game. The character, apparently a Destiny 2 warlock, <laughs> is seen walking down a hallway and loading a weapon. Yes, that's all. Bioware is currently working on Dragon Age Dreadwolf, so the new Mass Effect seems to be a ways off. Um, which kind of goes back to that thing of like, why did they announce both of these games at the same time? I'm being dead honest with you. Like, p- 
pick a fucking lane or let your Edmonton team and your other team. I can't remember Austin. I can't. Austin, fucking I think it's Austin. Yeah, L- let them make the game separately. But I guess last time that happened, you got the other Mass Effect that everyone <laughs> hated. I thought about playing it. I never actually played it. I played like 20 minutes of it and I was like, this Listen, sucks. I, I, dropped I it. played like I played like seven hours of it. As someone who wasn't as big of a Mass Effect fan, it's a it's an okay game. Mm-hmm. I think it's exactly you know how like I there's a version of me like the Outer Worlds is a fucking awesome game, right? Fantastic. But I'm pretty sure there's a version where you can tell me that the Outer Worlds is uh, a Mass Effect game, and I'd be like, "This fucking sucks," right? Because like it doesn't speak to what you want out of a Mass Effect game. That's not what it's trying to be. I think the problem with Mass Effect Andromeda is that they really fucked with the formula and did some different shit that people didn't like, and then the quality was different because it was almost like they were giving it to new people to try something. And I know that IPs work from name recognition, but I honestly think if that game had just been tr- called Andromeda. Or fucking anything else, I think that game still would have not have done great, but it would have done okay. It would have reviewed better, and there'd been a lot less online hate around it, and people would have been more forgiven. Like, oh look, this Austin team is getting to their chance to spread their legs. They're making something, and the reason I say that is because Bioware made Mass Effect One, which I think exudes a lot of the same problems on a technical aspect as what we saw with Andromeda, though it did have better writing. <clears throat> so I think that that game got beloved to the point that two and three became even more beloved would show that Andromeda, if given the right treatment in the IP aspect of things could have been a similar ish trajectory and may have been able to survive more than just as a one-off shitty version of a game and a series of people adored too much because the problem <laughs> is, I even know people who hate mass effect three. So if you hated mass effect three, how the fuck were you going to like Andromeda? I think anyone who hates Mass Effect 3 is just has bad takes. Normally when they say it, I go, what's the problem with it? And I didn't even play the game. So I don't, I don't even have any context. The, and they go, the fucking sucks. ending. Yep. And I'm Ugh. like, if you hate a game because of the ending, then... People, look, the ending of Mass Effect is Mass Effect 3, not the last five minutes. I hate that. Mass Effect 3 is the ending of the trilogy, not the, the what happens in the end. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's the reality. There no, are char- you're right. There are character stories <clears throat> that end in the first like four hours. <laughs> you're like, oh, I didn't get enough closure with the characters. Well, that dude fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I always liken it to the fact that like How I Met Your Mother had a really controversial ending, right? Yeah. And I didn't love it myself. I watch it now and it's kind of like, okay, I mean, you know, for what it is, it's okay. And I've grown to be able to stomach it and be like, okay, I'll watch it whenever I finish the series or whenever I watch the series. But that's like saying that because the final season of How I Met Your Mother or really even the last five episodes choose, chose to just go fucking buck wild, that the entirety <laughs> of that, the entirety of that season or the entirety of that show sucks. That's, that's too much. It's a yeah, good show. That had a really odd last minute choice. That's exactly what Mass Effect 3 is, in my opinion. From everyone I've talked about it, I haven't even played the game, but everyone, when they talk about it, I was like, well, this was cool, and this was cool, and this was cool. And then anytime someone's like, well, I fucking hate this, it's standing. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. 
It is dumb, but you know what's Speaking not dumb? Speaking of dumb things, or not dumb things, depending on your perspective on... <laughs> what's not dumb is PlayStation being the only ones of the big three, or it's very dumb, we'll see when the game comes out, yeah. uh, to not choose to turn away from uh, letting a game called Christmas Massacre be published on their system, and that is PlayStation. So a new PlayStation exclusive has appeared by way of Christmas Massacre, a PS1-style horror game. It's releasing on November 17th. When asked if the game was coming to other platforms, developer Puppet Combo said the game is, quote, too crazy, end quote, for Xbox and Switch. Since Sony has been notorious for censoring games on its platform recently, this is an interesting twist. Notably, Cannibal, another game from the developer, is available on all platforms. So a holiday miracle may be in store for the other platforms. Um, Chris, well written. Thank you. Good choice. Uh, yeah, this is an interesting thing. We've seen a lot of games be kind of become de facto exclusives for a, a litany of reasons, but this one's kind of wild. <laughs> <laughs> I, the only thing I saw about this game was a screenshot of a guy talking to a Christmas tree and the Christmas tree just says, kill them all, Jeff. <laughs> it's like, I'm in. I don't know what this game is, but I'm down. Well, see, that's... I never understand why people act like that's too much and like this is too crazy and too risky because I feel like that's not too far off from what games were doing in the 90s anyway. No. <clears throat> I mean, you're telling me... That game in the 90s weren't fucking buck wild. Like, it was just people in a room being like, what if, hear me out, a hound dog stood on his hind legs and he had four arms on top of that and he had two guns and smoked a cigar and he ran through a spaceship and we called the game MDK2 and they were like, yes, Bioware, make it. (laughs) Put it on paper. Well, that's clearly when the industry was less of an industry, right? Do you know what I mean by yes. that? Like the problem with all industries is that the more in, the more industrial they become. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like I've I've always had I've had arguments online where it's like, oh, games are too expensive. Where I shoot back, well, it's a luxury hobby. But then the problem with it being a luxury hobby is that I don't get dumb shit like Christmas Massacre regularly. And I think there is a a level of a small indie, I guess indie is the right word, right? But a small mm-hmm. space of smaller games that are going back to that stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think Alan Wake is so noticeable because it's so fucking weird. And that is a triple mm-hmm. A game. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the yeah. reasons it's so noticeable because you don't get that stuff anymore. You know, I could turn around, like, think of like something like Enslaved Odyssey of the West. First of all, in 2023, you'd never get a game called Enslaved. But second of all, <laughs> second of all, like a monkey and a little girl are doing platforming. That stuff that doesn't make any sense, but it's a great game. Fantastic stuff. So it's weird. We always do that. So we wax poetic about the old days because we're fucking old, man. Yeah, we are getting old. That's why you got the gout and I got the sick. <laughs> uh, with a gout myself in the head if this keeps happening every year. Look, this will be interesting to see, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like every time a game comes out that's kind of weird, it always ends up having some kind of drama attached to it. Even if it's not the game, it's something related to the game. Kind of like Tripwire Interactive's whole shit that happened. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. But 
Next piece of news, Insomniac seems to be teasing a new Marvel character entering their universe. First players of Spider-Man 2 noticed that Nelson and Murdoch had apparently been evicted from their offices as a sign for their law firm that was present in Spider-Man 1. The was sign gone. was notably brought back. Yeah, the sign was notably brought back in an update. Next, players of Spider-Man 2 found what appears to be a hidden hideout for the notable Daredevil antagonist in The Hand. Rumors of a spinoff have continued after creative director Brian Intihar said in the last moments of a live stream, where is Daredevil? It is interesting to speculate, but it would seem to be a worrying indication for fans hoping Insomniac moves away from being a Marvel factory as they have teased multiple potential spinoffs or storylines in a Venom solo game. Redacted, possibly a Miles Morales to Wolverine, this potential Daredevil thing, and also Redacted. Um, nice. <laughs> Thank you. So here's the thing. <clears throat> Big brain moment, Chris. Big brain moment. You're right in that right now, Insomniac seems to be setting up the Insomniac Marvel Universe, right? Mm-hmm. And while I don't want this to be the case or to be true or anything... What are the chances that what they're actually setting up for is for other Sony teams to have spinoff teams be able to do games that are like Miles Morales in scale so that every studio that Sony has can have a game every two years so that they up their output, which brings more money in and makes every studio worth more. And the reason I say this is because back in about four years ago, almost every studio that Sony owned got a new studio and promise of having a second team. And yet of all of those studios, we have not seen a second project from I, any of them yet. Any. There's two ways that could go. It could be that every game that the new teams are working on is a games as a service game as part of Sony's big games as a service push. Right? That's a pretty easy yeah. way to go. The second Small thing is that answer. it... Could also be that Sony is working towards having something like their Marvel thing, what they have set up, and being able to say, all right, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. The other medium brain answer is that even though Insomniac has rights to their universe and Sony is interacting with that, that's they're actually setting it up so that games like EA's Iron Man and Black Panther games can actually exist in its thing because turns out it's not Insomniac's Marvel Universe, it's Marvel Games Marvel Universe, and Insomniac just has permission to work within it. Both of those are extreme brain things. At that point, though, I guess you would find out by who has um, the marketing rights, right? Because you I, I don't think I don't know for sure. Because the reason I bring that up is that technically, every Xeno game is connected, and yet all three of the Xeno Saga, Xeno Blade, and Xeno Gears are owned by three different people, which is crazy. So to that end, I think Sony can have marketing rights for the games that their studios produce, while other people can interact in that world. So like Wolverine is in Spider-Man's world in his universe. They've confirmed that as of Mm -hmm. when Spider-Man two came out, they decided to confirm that Wolverine is going to be in the same universe. Okay. Interesting. Since it's insomniac, it's fair to say that there's a chance that we see and or hear from one of the Spider-Man in Wolverine, but we can't say that for certain. It could just be that there are nods and obvious points of comparison that are between them. Shared universe ties that don't really matter in the grand scheme of the games, but they can utilize. That's one way. 
or it could be that they're trying to build their way towards video game adventures the right way instead of the games as a service way. And they're going to start having the Black Panther game, mm-hmm. the Iron Man game, whatever other games are maybe in the works. Wolverine's here. Maybe they're going to start working on finding a way, which I know Wolverine's not part of the Avengers necessarily, but eh, I mean, you know, it depends well, on which version. Exists, so. Yeah, that's true. So my point being with all that, though, is maybe we're getting to a point where it is just Marvel being like, hey, your game just happened to be the first in the Marvel games universe. Instead of the MCU, it's the MGU. Two reasons I don't love your medium I don't, brain take. Yeah, um, I don't love it either. <laughs> you would think that it would be too, that would be too complicated. Right, like I know you could shoot back. Well, if Marvel is the one greenlighting all this, then Insomniac has you has room to use EA Motives Iron Man. But I think the problem is when you're doing a shared world, the point is to bring them together, right? So well, in the long run, right? right well, but it depends yeah. because like Thor has references to characters and stuff from Iron Man, right? And Iron Man has references to characters and other stories, but not until much later in the MCU do they actually be like, okay, now we're going to make a movie where we bring them all together. And even right now we're seeing, okay, well, we're going to have a couple of characters who aren't actually part of the story interact in this story, unless you have one of the bigger moments like Civil War, which should have just been fucking called Avengers Civil War. I don't really know why that was a Captain America movie, but yeah, um, I think the problem is this is not movies, and I know that's right. obvious. But Much the problem is development times. Not even that is EA Motive going to use Insomniac's engine so that the characters in the world share an art style. Why should they? Because if that Iron Man comes into Spider Man Two and that Iron Man looks like Dead Space, it's not gonna it's not gonna translate well. In my well, opinion, I'd, I'd say why though? Because if we're being honest, character. If we're being honest, comic books don't share the same artists. No, but I mean, you're right. But the thing is, I'm thinking like it's not like Robert Downey Jr. can be like, "Yeah, I'm going to go do Spider-Man: Homecoming and Iron Man Three, and then Avengers: Endgame." That works. But I think EA you're Motives right. Iron Man is going to have a different art style. And it's it's not it's not going to be conducive to bringing them together in that way. Like you're right, but I think the problem is that in comics you're going through a same storyline, and that's the f- fair. You can say that about the games, but I think for the most part, a storyline is finished by one artist and one, you know, uh, writer. So you're not going to have this version of the character, right? Like Superior Spider-Man. Might be in other stuff, but his story is told here, and then it continues on with those artists and writers. For me, maybe my point's not making sense, but... Well, I think you just kind of gave to what it is, right? It's like the Black Panther and Iron Man games that are happening at those studios are going to be their stories in that world. And then you're going to sometimes see that character come into someone else's world, and it's not really their story all the time. Now, what the interesting part is, if you ever do make the Avengers game where all of the stories are happening simultaneously and they are all a thing, then where do you go from a style st- standpoint? Because then that's, you run that risk. That's, that but was my point. Is when they even all come then, together, I don't think it's going to be a problem. I mean, it's kind of like 
I don't want to well, say well, too much. Technically, I would spoil something about Spider-Man too, but without even spoiling I think Spider-Man, it's 2. clearly shown that you can even regardless of medium, you can change styles, right? There's, I mean, yes. I just like think an it, Easter egg in the new Spider-Man uh, across the Spider-Verse, right? Mm-hmm. Bless. Damn okay. it. it! It wouldn't come okay. out anyway. Uh, you have you have live action Donald Glover in the movie. No yeah, one gives I mean, a shit. Insomniac Spider-Man is in that movie, but like exactly. My here's the bigger reality of why that won't happen. You're worried about audiences more so than whether I'm worried or not about it makes audiences, but I'm not worried about. Oh, there's an Easter egg to that 1940s Captain America game that Amy Hennig is doing. What I'm worried about is the Avengers game, which, okay, all these characters together, who makes it? Who publishes it? Whose yep. money is it? Oh, you're using Insomniac, Insomniac Spider-Man? How much does that cost you? Like, Is that a $600 million game because Sony's got to get their cut and Marvel's well, got to get their cut and EA's got to get their cut? You haven't even gotten to the actual harder part, though. Well, it's then, Spider-Man's exclusive. <laughs> well, no, take all that away. You're not even if you're right, right? The the simpler and much more pressing question than how they look is going back to the who makes it, right? Yeah. And no matter who makes it in this scenario, what do you do when Insomniac not, Insomniac's not <laughs> yeah, what happens if Insomniac is not making or is if Insomniac's not making the game but hit their Spider-Man's in his game and you can play as him, does Insomniac have to give all of their combat mechanics over to the people making the game? Yeah, because if not, not, you run the risk of being like, well this doesn't even feel like the Spider-Man I've been playing. Like, this they isn't could the Spider-Man. Do the best idea and the parts that you play as Spider-Man are developed by Insomniac. The parts that you play as Iron Man are developed by EA Motive. The parts that you play Black Panther and Captain America are done by Skydance. That would be cool. I just don't yeah. think monetarily that would happen. And I think, again, the problem is if Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 and Miles Morales start the universe, the rest of the games have to be exclusive. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think the real problem that comes from that across the board, even with Wolverine, I think the problem yeah. that you run into is that like even Insomniac has three teams, but I think the third team was, is understood to be rather small. Yeah. Um, so realistically, even if your version is true, at most, you're getting one new entry in that universe every two years. Mm-hmm. At most. That's why you're maybe you're, every three years. Your and galaxy so, brain take that each development studio is going to take one is the smartest thing you've said. No offense. That, that sounded mean, but that that makes the most sense because yeah. if it's like, hey, Sony Santa, you know, <laughs> dude, could you imagine the uproar, the absolute destruction of the internet if it if at the next sony showcase they announce cory barlog's game and it's a fucking silver surfer space game <laughs> that would be Dude. sick but to me i would like that but people would have a fucking cow yeah <laughs> i don't think they can get away <laughs> with it pr wise <laughs> <laughs> they did it with spider-man spider-man's but the biggest hero ever the thing is where do you go from like Wolverine is probably the next and best idea, but what, who's next? Like, who can you really do daredevil? Like, okay. Daredevil is just Spider-Man. Maybe that's the point, but that, the gameplay is going to be almost the same. I'd be willing to bet there's even swinging because he's got the fucking swinging things. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be the same and that's totally yeah. fine. But the question is what, what character can you possibly do that is, 
people are okay with like they were with Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man is Spider-Man. That's always going to be exciting. But are they going to go, hey, we're doing a Johnny Storm game? Who wants that? <laughs> you do what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy. Not the game, the movie. Uh, but even the game to some degree where you take heroes that are obscure and you go, hey, we're making a new thing and you make it so good that people don't fucking care. Yeah, sure, but Guardians didn't sell. <laughs> I'm doing the movie again. The the point being is that the genius of Marvel's movies is that once they ran out of it, honestly, the genius of all Marvel movies is that every single fucking hero they made movies of are fucking B tier heroes because they yeah. sold all the ones that people gave a shit about yeah. to try and keep from going under. So all <laughs> they had left to work with is heroes that up until the last 15 to 20 years, no one fucking knew about. Well, yeah, Iron Man was an obscure ass hero when he came out. Yeah, but like, that- don't get me wrong. People may have known him if you like comic books, but it wasn't Spider-Man. It's not Superman. It's not Batman. It's not Wolverine. It's not X-Men. They yeah. sold everything that people knew that was big because that was what was valuable and kept them from going under. So the genius is that every every time they keep making new movies, they just keep digging further and further into more obscure shit and being like, fuck it, make a movie out of it. And for a long time, it was working. And people were... And, Suddenly, everyone knows about Guardians of the Galaxy, which is one of the most obscure comic book runs in the, that Marvel has. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is you're talking about a $15 movie ticket versus a $70 video game. You're right. But, but even though you're right that Marvel's, uh, that Guardians of the Galaxy didn't sell from Square, I think that was a number of reasons. I think that that coming after Square's uh, Avengers that didn't do too hot made people not want to buy it because it was Square and they didn't believe in it. Yeah, but I mean, also Marvel fatigue may be the genuine culprit, which comes down to the whole thing of is Insomniac becoming a Marvel factory even a good idea? Because the problem with Marvel fatigue is that it, even if it comes and stems from the fact that they're coming out with too much Marvel shit outside of video games, if you're interacting with it and you're getting tired of it, when you go to play your video games, you're going to be like, God damn, more Marvel? Leave me the fuck alone. For, yeah, you know, that's but- what's going to happen. I think the problem is Marvel fatigue set in when the 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 two things happened at the same time. People started getting sick of Marvel because the content's bad. Yeah, and uh, look, we can move. Past well, let this, me say but. this. Let me not, let me not so wholeheartedly agree with you. Sure, because I've not watched most of anything they've done after Endgame. What I will say is that most of what they've done after Endgame has not even looked interesting enough to draw me into it. And then I hear very conflicted things about whether people actually like it or not. So it doesn't draw me to want to watch it even further. Even the things I felt conflicted about before Endgame, most of the time, even if I wasn't interested, people were like, but it was pretty good. Because apparently, as far as I can tell outside looking in, not being the biggest Marvel fan, most people who liked Marvel enjoyed that content because it was, at least for them, better. Mm-hmm. So clearly the problems they're having now is a quality con- a quality issue. Regardless of whether they agree, it's not their choice. It's the people who partake to be like, this is good or this is bad. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast where um, they were talking about the future of the MCU, and she was saying that Marvel thought they had an absolute banger on their hands with Quantumania, and then it turns out that everyone hated it, so then they're like redoing all their processes for it, which is cool. Um, speaking yeah. of redoing processes, how about Microsoft's week? 
Ooh, yeah, Microsoft's had a pretty brutal week. So just after the Activision deal closed, they made a point of noting that Modern Warfare 3 was going to be added to an already impressive first-party lineup this year, joining Forza Motorsport, Starfield, and Hi-Fi Rush. Then, for some, tragedy struck. Modern Warfare 3 is now apparently the worst-reviewed Call of Duty campaign ever. There's no Metacritic at the moment, but with IGN, Kotaku, and GameSpot ripping the campaign, most notably the fact that the campaign is just large bot matches on Warzone map, and the runtime being just north of three hours at the low end, I cannot confirm or deny that, but the most I've seen people say is basically four to five. Yeah. Do with that what you will. Uh, this would all be fine, as most Call of Duty players don't play the campaign, and this is most likely receiving the scrutiny as it it is because it remains the only playable portion of the game until November 10th. Uh, the fact... <clears throat> sorry, the week continued negatively as employees noted that they were no longer eligible for a free Game Pass Ultimate subscription, and then general users began noticing that rewards for earning achievements through rewards has been reduced, sometimes by 10 times. Lastly, and probably the biggest of their PR blunders... They've now partnered with InWorld to add AI to their development pipeline, sparking a wide and vicious backlash in the development and general gaming community, best summed up by Alana Pierce. And then Chris links to a tweet that I'm going to open. And let's see what Alana Pierce has to say. (laughs) Imagine announcing this in a year where the games industry has laid off 6,000 plus people. I will never play any game that InWorld has any part in making. Uh, And then we come kind of uh, full circle around to the talks we've been having around AI. And I can say that I think more people are really in my version of it than I originally anticipated. And the reason I say that is most of what I've been hearing people say or seeing people say online and even hearing certain people talk about it in some content does stem from the fact that people don't want to play things that are entirely created from AI uh, or even mostly created in AI. And I think it comes back to what we were talking about on here, Chris and I, where with all things, you can make something a tool or you can make it something that just does everything for you. And I think that the balance of that is on you as the artist. And I still think that there's a way, and I would love to hear from anybody who's far more involved in what AI actually does in these processes. But conceptually, I am okay with AI as a tool that an artist can use to help them get to certain places in a somewhat faster I I guess it's an artist can use it to iterate quicker. And I don't mean that that AI can create it. I just mean that instead of wanting to brute force everything and saying, well, the way that we keep people in the gaming industry is to hire more people and just make them brute force draw everything. I think that's kind of ridiculous because I know that AI is different than this. But what I'm saying is if you give the same eye to saying that, well, people didn't create that, you go into the same thing of procedurally generated not a single planet in no man's sky was hand created instead it was a bunch of hand created assets that an algorithm just said yeah fuck it these all go together does that make no man's sky a game that you shouldn't support and shouldn't play just because someone used a tool to make a game on a larger scale to do something that had never been done before i don't think so so if you can use ai in the same way i think there's a way to do it i will say though pr wise it is really rough to follow up news of layoffs and everything by saying hey here's ai i wish i understood i didn't get a chance to read this i did see it i don't understand to what degree this actually i don't know how much of this ai is taking over what portion of game development within this but it's not a good look 
PR wise, no matter what. <laughs> it's just the reality. Uh, Chris, I've spoken long enough on it. You have anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I just think, you know, I think you kind of summed it up. I would just say in terms of where I thought that, com- where I, where my point was in that conversation also bore out to be a hundred percent true. AI will never be accepted in the general industry. So it will never improve, help improve video games. Not never, but the, the people who we want, who we look at as making games, you know, people like Alana Pierce or Corey Barlog or all these people. Once Sony starts using this, we're going to lose these people here. Right. And then they're going to make their own studios. And then it's just going to be this thing of like, Oh, ghost of Tsushima 76 is an AI generated game. Now accepting the award for game of the year is chat GPT. Like, you know, that's certainly possible. And I think it'll still level out because the people who are in the industry will still move on to do other things. But how can they compete if an AI, if a mostly AI generated game, right? Say an AI does all the bug fixing. It does some of the extra dialogue that are, is not really main story relevant. And maybe it makes a side quest or two, you know, in those games start coming out in two to three years rather than five to six, right? Is there any competing with that? <coughs> you you, you got to get to a point with that, right? Where the games are so there's so many more AI generated games where you have a year like 2014 where Dragon Age Inquisition won because it was the really kind of the only passable game that year, you know? And if every game, every other game that's even decent is AI generated, at what point do you go, well, this one looks the best out of all of them, you know? And you throw your hands up in the air because Corey Barlog's new game hasn't come out yet, you know? So you kind of touch on what I was getting on a second ago when I was talking about brute forcing it. And I think that this is a problem is if you create this as a war where it's only people who are 100% handcrafting versus people who are 100% AI developing, then, and first of all, there's no world in which a game will be 100% AI developed and be good. I think we talked about in that episode, like it's hard to put into words, but most of what makes art good is the human flaw of the execution. It's like the things that you find endearing and good and awesome and and awe-inspiring and things are made the way they are. And I think they have the impact on you. They do because they're not perfect. And everybody, those imperfections leave room for different, like different, um, perception of what happened, different takes. People reflect on things differently. So I think in, in entertainment, everything is, go ahead. The, the perfect example just came out right you could feed an ai hey i want a game that's a cross between in the mouth of madness and twin peaks and you wouldn't get alan wake but you tell sam lake i want a game that's a cross between twin peaks every conspiracy about the cia and the deep space deep state government and in the mouth of madness and you get alan wake alan wake 2 and control you know yeah so you know, I think I think that you're wrong in the sense that I would be willing to bet that one year in in the ne- one year before we die, we will be talking about is it ethical for this game to be a game of the year candidate? I'm sure that's going to be possible because I think the thing is you won't get. I don't think you'll ever get a fresh oh, experience. Make sure with I'm AI. So you're saying I'm wrong and saying that there will never be a fully AI developed game. 
Yeah. Okay. I thought, well, I thought I, you said there's going to be sure a I'm good following. one. So maybe if I misunderstood. Well, that. okay. Just just to clarify my position in case it does change what you're going to say, uh, where I was going with that initially is, I don't think that in general, I don't think you'll ever see a fully AI developed game. That's sure. point blank. Point like stop that as a sentence of its own. But then as an addendum to that, I'm not saying it can't be good, but I think that it will never be as good as handcrafted content that's put against it. But I don't think that it should have to come to that. And I think that the with us or against us aspect of this is what's causing this problem. Because going back to my brute force conversation, what I'm really meaning by that is since AI is being looked at, at least in the conversation that's online, which is not a very good sample size, I will admit that it's not a very good thing because it's also on something that has a character limitation. Um, but it sounds like people being worried that something's going to be even parts of something will be fully AI created. And if people in the games development thing approach it that way, it will become that problem. If people instead all agree and come together and say, listen, we don't want entertainment that is made by AI. It loses something, but we can use AI to speed up aspects of our game. And that way we can employ more of our industry. This is what will happen in my opinion, or at least this was the, this is the ideal version of my version of it is if everyone's looking at AI and saying we all use this together as a tool, like you brought up some interesting potential uses for AI that I don't know are possible in its current state, but what if bug fixes can be done by AI? And what I mean by that is not that there's no one there. Instead, the people who are working in QA look, go through, play the game, find the error, and then inject AI code to help fix it. And they also get to immediately play test it again, see if it's fixed. Some people go, well, that cuts their job short. Does it? Because if the whole industry is doing it and all games are getting sped up as a result of this and being smart with your use of technology, then more games are going to come out, which I'm going to say right now, we in a year that. where we have a, <laughs> like a thousand games come out, that's probably not, but... The thing about AAA games is AAA games are taking – this this conversation is so in-depth because what? one of the other things that happens, right? And I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but this is important to say. If you go back to my original idea of finding ways to speed up AAA development, an unintended consequence of that is that you will, un- you will inadvertently choke hold out the indie industry probably <laughs> because suddenly there's so many games of a – very high and obvious quality that people can see of that people may be less likely to take the dive on a game where you ride as a banana on a skateboard and shoot people. Disagree. And, and <laughs> here's like, I don't think it'll ever happen where no one plays those games, but I think less people will be motivated to try something like that when they have a sea of higher quality games coming out, you know, where every studio is pumping a game out every two years again, like they were on PS3 when indie games were not nearly made at the quantity that they are now. Yeah, so that's but it a was completely unintended back then. True, but in general, a completely unintended consequence. Yeah, um, um, I mean, it doesn't really change my, what I would have said, right? Because I think what I would have said is that I don't. I think games will get to a point where, like, you'll never get a f- fresh new experience from AI. I think every game that comes from the AI, especially if it's one hundred percent AI, which, like you said, I don't think will happen either. Every game will be familiar. And I think that's the scariest part, right? Like, you're going to get a game where you're like, this, did I do this in Alan Wake? Right? Is that, that guy looks a little bit like Geralt. 
you know, and that's going to be the problem. Let me ask you something, Chris. We were yeah. talking about MCU earlier, right? Yeah. And everything tied into it. Do you, so speaking to your point, I think the reason that AI will even mostly AI made games, that familiarity will be the problem. But the thing is, is we can already create that as humans because if you overdo something and you over try to continue to build off of a similar idea, I think part of the reason Marvel fatigue happens is because you watch a Marvel movie and you're kind of like, I feel like I've seen this in some capacity in a previous Marvel project because they're kind of just re-spinning ideas and, <laughs> and try, you know, the age old thing around nothing's new under the sun. But the thing is, is that they're not finding ways to quickly enough change the way that things are happening to where you're feeling like, ah, that's interesting. And that's new. Yeah. So yeah, AI would have that same problem and it would just make it worse. And the, we're seeing that problem in, a, in an AI-less industry right now. Yeah, but I you think where the problem I'm more talking about is literal sections of Alan Wake being inserted into this new game because the AI was like, "This works, I'm taking it," and then <laughs> yeah. it just it, it puts palm trees on it instead of elm trees. You know what I mean? And then oh, you got to be you got a beach level, you know. But you you're playing it and you're like, that shack is where the Bright Falls bookstore is. You know what I mean? Like that's where I think it'll be like. It's it's almost like you're watching like uh like they live, and you're taking the glasses off, and, and then you're putting them back on. And you're like, what the fuck? That's Alan Wake, and you take them off, and you're like, oh, this is Alan Shake by ChatGPT. You know what I mean? Like it's that's yeah. that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, it's funny that you even bring that up because um, some of the same things that AI would do, we already do as humans to try. We find ways to try and be more efficient ourselves. That's why we even make AI to begin with, right? As a tool to try and be more efficient. Uh, I don't know if you, a lot of people probably didn't even really realize the uh, Far Cry Primal map is the same map design, basically. And now it's not the same terrain on the map, but the actual map design and how it all comes together and the way that the land masses kind of work is just the same as Far Cry 4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they just basically built on top of that map design. They just kind of went in and were like, well, instead of a base here, we'll put a cave here. And instead of this here, we'll put like a mammoth graveyard here. But it was all the same basic topography and there's mm-hmm. a river coming down that splits into three and it splits the map into the same sections. And they did that because it's quicker and easier. You don't have to develop an entirely new map. All you got to do is work, change what you're working on within the map space that you have to make a in-between spinoff game. We already do that. AI would just make that problem way worse. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Same yeah, you're right. But <clears throat> It's a cold world we live in. Yeah. And they say it gets colder. You're bundled up now. Wait till you get older. Um, listen, Chris. <clears throat> AI is just a is a difficult conversation to have around because I think what I hope is obvious throughout this is that we're not having this conversation to try and defend AI or defend the artist or to attack AI or attack the artist. I think what we're trying to do here is have a relatively, you know well-spirited conversation about what it could be from our current understanding. So I hope no one's seeing this like, look, they're trying to support AI. I don't fully understand. No, I don't, I don't know that any one person fully understands the impact that AI will have on any industry. I think it's kind of the nature of the, the reason that I think you know that is because the people who make AI don't even fully understand how their AI works. Almost every person that's made an AI, they're like, cool. How does it do that? And they're like, ah. We kind of know. <laughs> Here, so, 
what I'm interested in, and I don't know if I'll ever be alive to see this happen, but I'm interested in what a video game from sentient AI looks like. I'm very curious if AI could ever actually become sentient. And then you come into a lot of the conversations that Nier Tomlin and a bunch of things have. What is sentience? What is it to be alive? I think we've had enough near misses with sentient AI that it's definitely possible. <laughs> you think so? I think it's a hundred, but I, I think it's a hundred percent possible. It's just, it, it depends on what you mean by sentience. You know, I think it's a really hard thing to quantify because we, I think it's why, like, it's actually what the Talos principle is also about. Yeah. I don't want to say too much, but like this idea of like Deus Ex Machina is about this, right? Like, what is it? It's it's a long running human thing. Like, as we continue to flirt with machinery and technology and improve it and do these different things and inject what makes what we think it means to be human into this tech, so they can do things for us and with us, the line becomes blurrier and blurrier over what. What truly is sentience? And well, <laughs> are I, trees sentient? Yes. And a lot of people would, um, a lot of people's immediate reaction would be no, but we know that trees can communicate with each other. Yeah. And there's a lot of things. So if a tree is sentient and because of these markers, so what's the marker? If computers can, can communicate with each other, are they already sentient? No, I think the thing is. Com- I think the thing with trees is they're sentient because they have to, even though they live in a, they, they provide for their lives in a different way than we do. They still have to find, they still have to find their fuel. They still have to drink. They still have to live. Right. Like you said, they communicate. You can Uh see like a tree gets ripped up out of the ground and it finds a, it'll, it'll grow back into the ground, but sideways. Like, they have a will to live in all, just like every other living being. And that's what mm-hmm. gets scary about AI, right? The first step is emotion. And you can manipulate any of these things to start to feel emotion, whether it's real or not. But the, the thing is, right, and this is, I guess, depends on your philosophy on life, but re- emotion is really just a reaction, right? Like when you're mad, you're not mad. Like there's no chemical change problem really to that. It's well, no, there re- is. I'm there sure is a there chemical is. change. Of course. I mean, the like- reason that you feel anger is because different hormones pump their way into your brain to tell you, hey, you're supposed to act a different way about this. Yeah, but everyone's that's your version of that is still it. different. Yes, exactly. You know, but that's that's <clears> what I'm saying. So the, I guess the the p- bigger point I'm trying to make is that if an AI believes that it feels love, right? Mm-hmm. Who's to say that it's not love? Yeah. Well, right? you know, so I, that's I think what the more that's when sentience get that's where I think you get to sentience. When an AI believes that it feels, it feels. <clears throat> because is the belief in something enough for it to be real? Um Tinkerbell, you know. But no, well, listen, you you are actually getting onto something really interesting that if you want to finish something here, I just don't want to lose sight of it. I want to go back to what you're talking about mm. with the tree uh, fending for itself and finding ways to live on on its own, separate from us. Mm. And there's a really interesting kind of sub conversation about. Uh, I, I don't. Do you have any finishing thoughts on where you were going with what you were just saying? Not really. It's it was just a matter of like I was saying, you know. Eventually, if a AI believes it's sentient, I do think that at that point we have to have a 
near <laughs> near like conversation on okay if this believes it's sentient is this an individual's art if chat gpt believes it's it's sentient then and chat gpt makes a video game then that video game is should be just as valid as you because i've said on this show multiple times i don't believe in free will so for all intents and purposes in my opinion everyone is just ai that's on its own pathing, you know? Now, you know, I disagree about your stance on free will, uh, and that's a long conversation to have. But uh, I will say, I, I do think you've said something interesting there, though. Uh, what? How does AI go about figuring out how it's going to make a game? It looks at other games and yeah. uses them as inspiration because someone told them to. I think this will be the thing. I think if I was looking at sentience... Because I think you're right. Like the way that effectively a, a AI goes about making a game is the same way we do. You go, I have an idea for a game. So that's that's the difference, right? The difference between us and AI is that you have to have an idea mm-hmm. that starts the process. And you have an idea, and that idea then gets influenced by a bunch of other things. So you go, I'm going to make a game. I have this idea for these characters. And then you go what am I going to do with them? And then you look to other sources to inspire you to make something. You go, like Lies of P, they go, we love the way that From Software makes their worlds and their lore and the way that they build out their combat encounters. So we're going to use that as inspiration to make something that's really similar to it, but our own spin on it. And that's exactly what AI is doing. AI is going, we're using this and these things. We're kind of combining them and spitting them out and doing a little different things with them. And bam, there you have it. Now, Whose is more effective? I think it's hard to say, but to that point, what separates us from AI? But <clears throat> um, there's breaking news about. But I want to. I want. It's. It's. We. It needs to be in the show. But I do want to finish this conversation. So I do just, re- so just remember that there's breaking news. What I want to go back to real quick, because I think it's really interesting. Uh, I was having this thought already earlier today. So it's weird that you bring it up this way. But you were talking about the tree being able to fend for itself. If it rips out, it grows back to itself. And I was thinking about... We, on the societal level, are very frail in comparison to the world. Yeah. And what I mean by that is... When you're like outside and you look over in the grass and you see a fucking rabbit hopping... Mm-hmm. Dude, if if the world goes to shit, okay, okay, for lack of a better thing, if a zombie apocalypse happens, nothing is changing for that rabbit. It's still going to find food. It understands shelter. It knows how to make it separate from other people. It goes about doing its thing. It knows how to survive. It knows where to get food. It knows where to hide. has all these things that we don't have. Because as a society, we've pushed ourselves further and further from that need. So you start thinking like, in a zombie apocalypse, the reason it all goes to shit is because we all rely on things that we don't know how to do anymore. We rely on people to filtrate our water to make it drinkable for us. Yep. We rely on people to deliver food to a place to be processed in some capacity so that you can go so that it can then be delivered to a store. And if at any point one of those chains breaks, it all fucks up, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to this point where at the end of the day, in a zombie apocalypse, Kind of like what The Last of Us and, and The Walking Dead do. It's not a, It's about how we start to treat each other because suddenly we run out of the ability to do certain things because we're no longer able to do them. Animals live rather harmoniously for the most part. 
understanding their place in the food chain and what's going to have to happen. And you think about that. I go back to that tree. And I think of, I think AI, if it were to be considered sentient the way that you were talking about, I think it's really interesting that in many ways, it's like a hyperscaled version of the problem with how humanity has basically become. And that is that we are so reliant on being able to get power and nourishment and stuff from somewhere else and other people and this big system that just works that if AI becomes sentient, it's the same thing. AI cannot give itself power. It relies on the fact that something else keeps it plugged into this power system. And if somebody else fails to do their job at the power plant, this AI dies mm-hmm. because it is no longer in enough control of how it stays about living. And it's like a weird microcosm of humanity where we have continued to drive ourselves to where most people can't do shit on their own because each person has a job that hyper fixates them to know how to do one thing. I know how to slaughter a chicken because I do it professionally. Bam, 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 bam. I can, you know, I can feed myself if it comes down to it. But really, can they? Maybe the farmer can, because the farmer grows a chicken. Where do the where does the person who knows how to slaughter a chicken get chickens from? Do you get my point? Yeah, you just I think you misspoke because you just said the farmer did. grows a chicken. Well, yeah, it does. Now, of course, what I mean by that is a chicken. He doesn't grow. Of course, it raises a chicken. But my point being is that the guy who knows how to slaughter one at the factory doesn't know shit about where to get one from. No, it's true. Not necessarily. So it is kind of wild to think that if AI becomes sentient that way, it's like a, it's like the same thing that when people talk about a solar flare knocking us out, that we would probably die because of our over reliance on technology. So it's (laughs) which I don't know if I believe because we're only like a hundred years out of not really having much technology. Yeah. But it's, you know, we've, we've been so coddled by it, you think about it. But can you imagine unplugging your computer that you've set up an AI on and then being put in jail for killing something? <laughs> <laughs> and then the yeah. question is, is it even dead? If you plug it back in, is it it's just alive. back to being alive? What that about the, the fact that it didn't exist just- for a few years? <laughs> like, what if you just unplugged your computer and put it away in a closet for four years and you plugged it back in? Was it, did you kill that thing for four years and you just yeah. resurrected it? <laughs> just turn on the computer just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, um, but I think humans are so weird that we've created AI that if we ever do view it in a sentient light, it's like the worst of all of our traits that we've focused down into in one thing. But it's also yeah. the best of all of our traits focused down into one thing. Yeah, the it's question- the epitome. It, 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 no one wants to view it this way, but in a weird way, AI, if it ever hits that point, will be the epitome of humanity. Yeah. It's just Ultron, right? And you just depend, you just have to wonder, okay, is this thing going to hate us or is this thing going to like us? Like, it, it has access, it finds access to the CIA documents and, oh boy, they killed JFK. I got to kill the CIA. You know, it's interesting stuff like that. Um, I don't know, man. Cause in a lot of ways, this just the way you frame it, and I, I think I agree with your framing, it, it sounds like what we're doing now is if when we crawled out of the water as fish, some dude was like, put that shit right back in the fucking water. You don't want to know the consequences. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's basically like if uh, it, it basically be like if as soon as the Neanderthal recognized us as something different from them, they were yeah. like, fucking kill them all. Kill right. them all. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's I don't know. Not that they could necessarily communicate that well, but my point being is, <laughs> at, but point being, at any point that could have happened, right? Yeah, it's 
it, it, what's weird is that's why, even though I'm not a religious person, I don't believe in God or anything. That's why I think that stories around religion are still so interesting. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the idea of playing God is such a alluring thing to humans because we find ourselves drifting closer and closer to this feeling of like, we're putting ourselves too close to the ability to create as we see it. And at what point do you go too far? Well, it's interesting. It, it, it's just an interesting idea. It's like very thought provoking. I just had this thought, but the most interesting thing that could come of AI is AI believing it's real, thus AI proving that we're living in a simulation. Right? Because here's the thing. Or at least proving that we could be living in a simulation. What if our AI, what if we're just AI that is so advanced that, that we've created our own AI. Yeah, exactly. That and then, and then one day that AI gets so advanced that it creates its own AI, but it never knows that it's that it's AI potentially, you know, technically. Right. Or it we're gets at, lost somehow. And we're all at the that part in The Sims where we've maxed out our science and now someone's going to drop us in a bathtub and take the ladder out. You know what I mean? Look, like, who, look there's clearly a lot of science around all this stuff, but it, it, AI is as interesting and it's everything about it is interesting. It's all just really weird. And so... Uh, of course, as with all things, our world is so geared towards <laughs> whether or not it's a good or bad thing. I'm not saying, but our world is so, or our society that I was talking about is so geared towards capitalism and hyper fixating us to certain skill sets per person that the people who are worried about AI are not even worried about it from any really larger human standpoint. Most of them are worried about it when it comes and it looks like it might be taking their jobs. And that is the capacity that our structure of society has set up. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I understand that there is benefits and downsides to something like capitalism because nothing is perfect. It's just really interesting to see that there's all these other things to worry about with AI. But people are like, it took my job as a fucking (laughs) artist. And I'm not saying that that doesn't suck. It fucking blows. I get it. But it's a little bit of a sad commentary that we didn't give a shit about AI until it was apparently knocking on our door, stealing our jobs. <laughs> well, look, this is a different conversation, but I think it's just it's it's the same conversation we've had about crunch in the industry and the work the working conditions in the industry. Where it's like nobody gives a shit that I I work you know. I can work sixty hours a week, and I have to be at my job with gout walking around the building because I have to do my job. But, you know, we complain about the hours in the video games industry of people who are choosing to create for exorbitant amounts of money. When, when we're, we're doing the same thing with AI, when guess what's happened at McDonald's? That place is almost, they, they, they have McDonald's that do not have people in them. Yeah. Yeah. AI has already taken those jobs. So it's, this, these are only conversations that happen in this industry where everyone is, always online and freaking out. Well, it's also a tech-focused industry. You know, I, mean, yeah, I get it. for sure. But listen, I, I really, I want to focus back on something just to get your thoughts. I don't, I don't want to stay on AI for the whole conversation. It's it's very easy to have AI just kind of steal yeah, the Modern Warfare 3 away. sucks. <laughs> but there is one important question that I have and I would love to hear someone's thoughts on. Not that I'm saying I have the right answer. This is not an answer. This is genuinely a question. Community's what, take. Do you believe in free will? Uh, what, <laughs> what is the difference, though, what is the difference in effect between AI and AI? Okay. What is the difference in effect of AI that you feed hand modeled uh, assets to 
versus a procedural generator that has an algorithm it's come up with and randomizes, and then you feed it those assets and it makes something. Genera- like genuinely, what is the difference and why is one so frowned upon when the other is not? A game like Starfield talks about how it made its planets completely by an algorithm. And then an artist came on top of that generated planet and added handcrafted points of interest to make a more interesting world, but be able to have a full world to to do. That's what Starfield did. In many ways, it's what No Man's Sky did, except for it, crea- it created handcrafted things and then shoved them in the algorithm and just let the algorithm spit them all out. Mm-hmm. And the point I'm making with all that is if you let an algorithm that you feed information into and then it creates something and you go back on top of it and you create on top of it to make something that's better than the sum of its parts, how is that different from AI that you use the exact same way? And I would love to hear someone's reason as to why one is acceptable and one is not. I would also like to hear someone's opinion on that. So, uh, but Chris, there was breaking news. So please, yes, this is. <clears throat> I, I think you'll understand. This is pretty big news. So our boy Jason Schreier has just tweeted: "Breaking: Rockstar plans to announce Grand Theft Auto Six as early as this week, and will release a trailer in December for Rockstar's 25th anniversary." Oh damn! Pretty Let's big go. news. Yeah. All right. That's pretty yeah. huge. Pretty huge. We'll see if it plays out. But I mean, Jason Schreier tends to be right. Say what you will about the man. He's got good sources. I Yeah, the, that's the thing. I The second I saw Jason Schreier said it, I'm like, oh, we have to stop everything. We have to talk about this. <laughs> stop the presses. <laughs> I need Thank pictures you. of Spider-Man. <laughs> Show me that big booty Latina. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Get me pictures of Rockstar. Oh, my God. Uh, But no. So uh, seriously, moving on from that conversation, uh, there's not a whole lot left in the news. Uh, The last thing I really think it's it's worth mentioning is kind of uh, speculation. So Silent Hill 2 has appeared for pre-order from retailers like Best Buy, which is prompting some fans to believe a release date announcement could be imminent. And who who knows? We're, We're close enough to the game awards that you could say this is all going to be game awards, but a month out does feel a little bit like, why would you start taking pre-orders now? The question is, is what other event would it come down to separate from Konami just being like, join us this Friday for a silent Hill event, (laughs) you know, like they did last time. Uh, It's certainly possible in the pop-up internet age, but uh, do you think there's any kind of actual fire here? Do you think that this is just, retailers being like fuck it we can take people's money while we wait for (laughs) it's it's that one it's that one i'd be willing to bet i could pre-order gta 6 right now so uh for science can you go do that while i go to our questions yeah i'll do it all right so we've got a few questions but this episode's already been a little long in the tooth due to the ai conversation so we're not probably going to get to all of them but we're going to get to a few of them so first one we have here is from longtime listener longtime patron Derek porter and this is an interesting one. He says, if you had the chance to resurrect a series from the PlayStation 1 era that has vanished into obscurity, what would it be and why? Um, could you repeat the question? Because I just realized GTA 6 is going to be announced at the Game Awards. Um, yeah. what, was, what was your question? I'm sorry. If you had the chance to resurrect a series from the PlayStation 1 era that has vanished into obscurity, what would it be and why? 
Legends of Dragoon, Xeno Gears, probably, mm. or Xeno Saga, okay. I think, is the PS1 one. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's probably so why? I didn't out of those. Because I want to play them, but they're both very old and hard to play. <laughs> I didn't game in that era. I was an Xbox guy. So you, that is true. You, you want to tell me like it's the answer is Jet Set, or you know what I mean? But yeah, I don't. I don't have too many answers for that era, sadly. I would say the game that comes to mind most, and I think it's also because uh, horror is in a bit of a renaissance, and this game is, uh, I would say, horror adjacent. Kind of hard to say entirely. Um, Parasite Eve, and. I say it's faded into to obscurity because Parasite Eve 1 and 2 were both PS1 games. And then we didn't get another Parasite Eve project at all until the PSP, late PSP, around like 2008, 9 maybe. Uh, Parasite Eve, the, it wasn't even, I think it was maybe called Parasite Eve. I think it was actually called The Third Birthday. And it was just kind of understood that it was a Parasite Eve offshoot game. Um, technically a sequel. PSP got a lot of really interesting sequels to a few really big franchises. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing. Like it got very important God of War games and it got Crisis Core, which is like really important to Final Fantasy VII's lore. Um, the PSP is a wild system, but uh, yeah, I think Parasite Eve, because Parasite Eve is like horror adjacent in the way that I'd say like Alan Wake 1 is. And I'd really like to see them lean a little bit more into the horror aspects of it and kind of return to what the game started life as which was kind of like this rpg meets resident evil kind of thing um that's kind of where i'm at i also think square has kind of rested on their laurels of ip for a long time so seeing them kind of return to something that's slightly uncomfortable to them i think would be really interesting uh and they do have very good creatives so Across the board, I think that that's a, a really interesting spot for them to return to. Shake up their game development while still doing something role-playing like. Uh, and when's the last time you really saw a horror role-playing game that wasn't like Bloodborne? You know, where and and that is a role-playing game, but it's also more like a Metroidvania in many ways. Um, Vampire, maybe. Maybe. Actually, that that may be the closest I can think of that's gotten to it recently. And yeah. that's also not accounting for PC. PC has so many games it's hard to keep up with. I mean, there's probably a, a game that's released relatively recently that probably fills that niche. But it wasn't a big-scale game, unfortunately. So, yeah, I think that's a big one for me. Uh, I love that. Uh, I would love to hear yours, Derek, if you have a game that you want to see come back from the PS1 era. There's a few other. I mean, the last one I would also bring up is I think Soul Reaver is ripe for a return. Um, so... Who knows? Legacy of Kane in general, the whole series that kind of revolves around that. Um, we got another question from uh, No Fate, one of our longtime listeners, patrons. He says, what's your opinion on the Twitter slash X companion leaving PlayStation? Do you have an alternative or workaround in mind? Um, here's the thing. I didn't really use it a lot because I didn't need to. And I always found it to be a bit clunky anyway. I don't think this is that big of a deal for me, but for people that use it, I think it sucks. But because the PlayStation, as long as you opt into it, automatically uploads anything that you share, like anything that you capture on your PlayStation, and it uploads it to the app so that you can easily assess it from your phone, I think the alternative and the workaround is to just go to the app, go to your library, go to captures, go to your game, pull it, download it and post it where you want to with much better control and in a much better made app for it. That's my 
general thing is I think that it was always clunky on the uh, on PlayStation. Now I just have the ability to do it with far more control. Yeah. And honestly, I'm going to say it probably takes around the same amount of time. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I'm not terribly worried about this personally. Well, I think the other good part of it is like now you're just downloading the picture directly and then you can post it where you want to instead of having to send it to Twitter and then try and save the picture from Twitter to post elsewhere. Now you're just sending it to the app, downloading it, and you can say, okay, I want to post it to Discord, Facebook, and Twitter all at once. And you can do that if you want to. That's mm-hmm. kind of the beauty of, you know, phones are made to handle these things better than a controller on a big, slightly dumb computer. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just use, <laughs> I just just gonna use the PS app. I'm looking for. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, we got uh, we got a couple more. Um, so this one comes from Pork Chops. Uh, he says, with yet another video game to movie adaptation being an overall success at least in the eyes of the fans with the release of Five Nights at Freddy's, let's think about the reverse of that. If you could, what movie that isn't already or hasn't already been turned into a game would you like to see adapted into a video game? Um, I think this is a good time to put in the fact that there's rumors going around that there was a Bloodborne movie adaptation in the works. Mm -hmm. Um, Quick gut check on that. How do you feel about an IP like Bloodborne trying to be adapted into a movie. I know we've kind of skirted around talking about it in the Discord when we were talking about like what directors and writers we think may or may not have the chops to even pull this off. Uh, but something I kind of... I, I don't hate that answer. I, uh, <laughs> people probably do. I don't. Uh, I'll give Kiki his credit. I think Guillermo del Toro is a great answer that is a good as answer. a director-writer. I think he's shown that he's art house enough and he knows how to also ride the line between being something that bigger moviegoers want to see that mm-hmm. I think he could pull that off. Um, you know, it would be... <laughs> this is this is, uh, the, this is like you see that meme of the like the brains, and this is my brain in like the galaxy, okay? <laughs> yeah. The best director for this movie is Hideo Kojima. <laughs> not even... Dude, yes. I'm not even remotely joking. Like the vibes <laughs> of Death Stranding... Like, I know different, but he can clearly pull it off. He wants to direct. Listen, Sony, go to Here's Kojima your moment. and say, listen, dog, we'll let you direct Bloodborne. And we're also going to give you $2 billion for your studio. You good with that? You down? What if that's we, how we he... won't fire you? We promise. That, that, what, yeah, that's how he said. That's how they get his studio. They're like, listen, exactly. we'll buy Kojima Productions. But... On that, there's a promise that we can't contractually fire you <laughs> unless we, you break the law. <laughs> we can't. We can't hold you in another floor away from your team. And you have you have free creative control to a Bloodborne film adaptation and free creative control to games. You can even make Xbox games. We just we just want you here, please. Don't stop making <laughs> Death Strandings. <laughs> so uh, going back to that though, my actual thing is like, look, I talked about directors I thought could work. I think Robert Eggers is not a terrible choice. I genuinely think that Eggers could pull that off in an interesting way. I think Del, Del Tormo, uh, Guillermo Del Toro could definitely pull it off. I think Kojima's uh, a, a secretly great answer. Uh, so yeah, you there's what? a lot of potential I got candidates. another pretty wild answer. Oh yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> Blake is gonna. Uh, Blake is gonna. Uh, whatever. Uh, Lars von Trier. <laughs> okay. Am I crazy? Hey, I said I said this half jokingly, half serious. Give it to fucking Denis Villeneuve. I just. Oh fuck, fuck yeah! 
<laughs> Timothy Chalamet as Yardum, <laughs> the Yardum Hunter. <laughs> Instead of fighting with a, a sword, he just gives everyone in the world chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> so listen. The, the whole reason that joke even actually started is because we were talking about uh, art house directors and stuff, right? And then we'll get to your question, Porchop. So we were talking about art house directors, and and Corey was saying like the thing he doesn't like about elevated horror is that it's so slow and plotting, and it it gives information out too slowly, and nothing happens, and it's like a fifteen minute scene of four words spoken between two people who are intently looking at each other through weird camera angles, and he's not wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but here's the thing about that. Bloodborne of all things, its entire shtick is that it's slow and weird and introspective and multiple playthroughs give you a better idea of what's happening and what themes are at play. And so I was like, if any game would need an art house director, I feel like Bloodborne kind of checks out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And what I thought was funny about it was... I started, to, he, he was like, well, so something has to happen. He's like, I don't want it to like leave a bunch of shit out. And the reality with trying to adapt something like Bloodborne to a movie is that a, a lot of shit's going to get left on the cutting room floor because it's it's a game that you play for fucking 20, 30, 40 hours, depending on what you're doing. There's right. optional content. There's decisions that you can make. How do you determine what ending it is? I loved my idea of someone being bold enough to film three different endings and send mm-hmm. three different cuts randomly to theaters across the thing so that people are like, bro, did you see? What I would love is you send all three to one theater locally and just be like, hey, Change which one you play in which theaters. Theater 7, fucking ending A. (laughs) Theater 9, ending B. And then just watch people come out and be like, bro, can you believe what they did at the end? And be like, yeah, man, that fucking squid baby thing was wild. The fuck are you talking about, dude? (laughs) See that thing come from the moon? (laughs) Dude, I think that that'd be a sick idea. I think that would be cool. Like Clue. also, there's no way they're putting the CGI into the moon presence and then not making everyone watch that. They're going to be like, we spent good money on that CGI. <laughs> You're all fucking watching the moon presence. <laughs> Dude, I got... You're going to have to tell me because I don't like this guy's movie that we we both have watched. Um, but is it a good pick to be kind of weird, a little stilted. The writing is a little stilted. In, um, I already know Yorgos Lanthimos. Fucking Yorgos Lanthimos. Dude, I think that's not. I bad. don't hate that. <laughs> I don't hate that at all. I, I honestly, low key, as uh, as they say these days, I love that. Yeah, I'm into See, it. This is where we go into those things where what you do is you take sections of Bloodborne and you just give them to a bunch of different directors and see how each person approaches them. <laughs> because what I was getting at is that the problem is is that you try and cut if you look. You either make Bloodborne into multiple movies or you try and make it into one, which I think is what would happen, and they would just cut a bunch of shit to make it happen. And it wouldn't really feel like Bloodborne anyway. So yeah. that's why the part – I was like, fuck it. Give it to me. They're all three-and-a-half-hour movies, and it's it's Bloodborne Part 1 and Bloodborne <laughs> Part 2. <laughs> Dude, fuck I it. think if – Dude, if it was it, – it's got to be Yorgos or it's got to be Lars. Those are the two. Lars would be such an off the wall, like incredible pick. But Yorgos, he's got the like weird dialogue of that that game down. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of me almost wonders if you can go even crazier. And I say this with love, Chris. I know that you're not going to like this, but you know the the guy I can't remember his name, French dude uh, who did Irreversible. Yeah, I was thinking it actually. Like, what, what the fuck would that guy do? 
like Gaspar No. Is that his name? Is Gaspar No? I think Gaspar No. Yeah, I think that's right. Gaspar No. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing, but the actual answer to it all is. I don't want to see Bloodborne turned into a movie. No, it should I be an anime. This is dumb. I, I don't think yeah, if it's any dude. If anything, give it as an anime series to the people that did Castlevania. Yeah, and that's or, an, uh, that's an if anything. Studio but Trigger? I'm also gonna say, dude. I'll be honest. I don't think that it really makes sense the way the stories are told, the way that the lore is shelled out. I think it's a type of story and a type of world that is best experienced through game because you're the way you choose to play it, how good or bad you are at it. All those different things impact the story. The choices you make impact the way that the ending plays out. The feeling of mystery of determining what's happening all happens from what you choose to pay attention to and not pay attention to within both the game and the events that are happening, but also the menus and all these other weird fucking extra things that you can pay attention to and multiple playthroughs reveal different things. You're like, huh, I didn't think of it that way all that's lost in a movie and in in a non-interactive environment i think that those games are great because of their interactive yeah i don't know i i'm interested to see oh oh mike flanagan um what's next okay anyway the question is is what movie that has not been turned into a game would you like to see adapted into a video game do you have an answer 12 angry men <laughs> hear me out 12 angry men as an annapurna game or super massive i i am not against that and what it is is it's the guys going around and then as they keep talking about the events that are happening it flashes back and you play them out mm-hmm. and then it's and then it's interactive i said which would joke, ruin the whole actually, point it would ruin the whole point of it, but you can actually do it a little bit more like um, heavy, uh, heavy rain, where it's like you're just going back and you can't change any of what's happening, but you just well in heavy rain you can though. But what I'm getting at, it would ruin the point of Twelve Angry Men if you could make him actually the murderer. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it would be, be kind of cool. Uh, John Carpenter. Sorry. No, here's uh, the thing. Most movies that I think are really interesting um, usually are adaptations of something, uh, which means that you're not going to always get something like that. So, look, I'll tell you, there's a movie I watched recently called The Creator that was uh, genuinely fantastic. Oh, I want to so see it so bad. Oh, dude, so fucking good. The type of movie that you would not anticipate uh, seeing in theaters at this time. Like, there's so many creative decisions that you would not have expected in a, in a theater film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's got a... You know, it's got a fairly high budget for what it is. Uh, it's not like astronomical, but it's eighty million. Um, great movie, good. touching, looks good, works out well. Has a lot of weird choices. Has a very District Nine uh, element to it. But on the topic of the creator, I was using that to say that the creator or District Nine are both games that I think are rife with opportunity to be turned into games. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see District Nine playing out as a game that kind of takes either the Riddick approach to it, where you play as one of the aliens in a situation where you're having to work your way around and sneak around these humans to try and get to like your son or something crazy. And you're having to kind of stealth out and you can't use certain things. Uh, I could see that, but I could also just see it as a, 
I, I don't want to say a Doom style shooter. I'm trying to think of the way to say it, but I could see a District Nine game being like a shooter game, but one of those third, one of those shooter games that's more involved, kind of like Metro or something, where there's like a real overarching story. Some moments are not super action heavy; they're really story driven and story based, and you'll spend a long time. So it's almost like an RPG shooter, like. I don't know how to describe it, but I think that games like that, like, dude, the creator and how they set up the world and how big it is and all the different things that you can do, I think it could be a really good open hub style game where you move between hubs. Like you're in New Asia and you're in New all, you're in all these different places doing different things and they're open and you can go and help as a human. You can go and choose to help some of the uh whatever you want to call these little AI creations that are happening. I can't remember what they're actually called in the film right now. Um but, you know, I, I think that those are good examples. Sci-fi tends to give you your best bet for games most of the time, I think. Yeah. Uh, my answer is Bullet Train. Fuck yes. <laughs> I got it. You ready? Yeah. Bullet Train, like the way that they did 12 Minutes. <laughs> okay. T- top down. You move between carts and that kind of thing. I, I don't hate that at all. So you're talking more like Hotline Miami. Well, kind of, but I actually like the idea of of having to make it to where to get through to the end of Bullet Train, you actually have to learn the series of events that you have to do. So it's almost like Death Loop meets 12 Minutes uh, <laughs> meets Bullet Train, where it's like you go through... And you have these interactions and stuff that happen and you have to learn them over time so that you can create the perfect loop so you can make it all the way through to the end and see the finale. That'd be cool. Hell yeah, I would. Bullet Two train. Bullet Train is so fucking good. <laughs> I was so hyped to see that movie and I was a little worried that it was going to disappoint me and we saw it in theaters and I was so fucking hyped. It was great. Dude, I watched that on my trip to Texas to train for my new job and I was so disappointed because I texted my dad, "It's this movie's on Netflix, you got to watch it. And he was like, I started it, I didn't really like it. I was like, nah, No, it's so good. I know. Let me pitch you one more game, okay? This is done is by Anna. Forrest Gump's RPG? No, I'd be into it. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, it's an Annapurna game. It's okay. you know it's a uh, it's a war story. It's, it's it's an Annapurna developed Grave of the Fireflies video game. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> it's a survival game. Yeah, it's a fucking first person shooter. <laughs> <laughs> Where the goal is for you to go kill the kids. No, it's just like you have to you <laughs> have know. to fill up a devastation bar and then when the devastation bar is full the kids dead. <laughs> Honestly, that game company <laughs> somewhat like Journey meets as a more survival driven game. I'm trying to think of something that's more survival driven that kind of fits that like a uh, uh Flame in the Flood or something like that. Yeah. I where you kind of take like saying. Flame in the Flood and Journey and you kind of put it into that world. And it's a situation where you play the game and you're playing as the kids and the game keeps telling you on a mechanical level that there's no reason you shouldn't be able to make these kids survive for forever. But no matter mm-hmm. what you do, they always end up dying. Dude. Oh, my God. I feel like there's no games that are as depressing as that movie. Like, I don't even know how that would work. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. You might be right. Then again, I think I mean, part of it's just subject matter. Yeah. 
it's it's by the nature of what it is. Uh, it's also very effectively done. Because uh, I want to say there are games that I think really make you think and do a lot with their stuff. But I mean, it's just so hard to watch two kids in a very real, even though it's animated in a very realistic manner, struggle. Oh yeah, yeah. I, oh, I don't want to. I don't even know why I brought it up. Now I got to think about. It's a that wild movie. movie. <laughs> It's a wild, it's a wild movie. A remedy developed Mulholland Drive movie or game. What's that? Sh- uh, what's Dude, that? Movie? A remedy eraser head. <laughs> what's that? What's that movie? Snow- Snowpiercer. Oh yeah. Let's uh, let's make snow. Oh dude, fucking parasite. Oh yeah, half of it is a stealth game, and the other half is like a slice of life anime. <laughs> dude. It's that, but then you have like these doki doki literature club moments where like you're just talking with the characters and like going through your business, but then there's like this horror tinge behind it. Yeah. Dude, what a great movie. It's 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 amnesia. <laughs> it's fucking amnesia meets doki doki literature club. Here's a here's a technicality. Uh Silent Hill as that movie has never been adapted into a game. <laughs> 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 you fucking idiot. All right. We got to get going. Um, I think I'm going to do one more question before we move into the sexiest part of the show. This one should be pretty quick. Uh, if PS Portal were to become a big success, could you see PlayStation pivoting away from the VR market and more into the cloud gaming slash handheld market? Uh, would you want that pivot? I don't think Jim Ryan's PlayStation would have pivoted away from VR, but I don't know who the next person. The next I don't know because Jim Ryan's think. Jim Ryan's PlayStation isn't the one that pivoted into VR to begin with, but it definitely continued that motion. Um, with that in mind, here's the thing: if PS Portal is a big success, I'm. <sighs> Let me say this. If it's a big success and they look at that big success and go, okay, this is evidence that there is a hole in the market for cloud gaming that we could fill. Why would they need to pivot from VR in order to occupy that? I, well, I think because at that point you're using you're, – you're switching your R&D budget from VR to – a full, full, full-fledged handheld, which is why, to me, I think well, if hold anything... On. That, that's, that's why I want to say back up. That's why I said cloud gaming. And the reason I framed it that way is because I am not sure that a PS Portal being successful is enough evidence for Sony to look and say, ha, we are viable in the handheld market. It could be... But I think that there's a much more thing to go. Well, we've tried the handheld market and failed that we've tried the cloud gaming and we got somewhere with this and cloud gaming doesn't require, they already have a tech team that works on that. That's engineering more than R and D R and D will still have to work and make up the devices that come to it, but it's not nearly as complicated because you're not having to be like, well, what kind of power output do we want to give in order to what battery life we can have? That conversation is much more simplified when you're dealing with cloud streaming because you're not having to do any of the processing on board or at least you have to do minimal processing on board. So I, I guess I would say I don't see where it would come into. You're not going to make exclusive games to it, so why would you need to pivot to that? Um, 
VR is a different market. It has a very hardware-driven setup that you have to actually account for and go through, and it has a need for specific games within that market to fill that niche. I just don't think that those markets interfere with each other in any way where Sony would choose to pivot away from one. That is my genuine answer. If it came down to it being evidence in Sony's mind that a handheld would be better use of their uh, R&D from a hardware standpoint, maybe they could pivot from VR. Maybe. It's just do they want to seed the ground they've already at least made in the VR market if VR does go somewhere, which is doing much slower than consoles ever did. So maybe. But Sony also was already somewhat successful in the, in the handheld market and still dipped the fuck out. Yeah. I, I think it depends on degrees. I feel like if the portal sold like 30 million units, that I think at that point they'd be like, there's clearly something here. Mm-hmm. But I think where I was going with it before is that I don't think, I think if they end up going this route, it'll be a partnership. It'll be, hey, here's the PlayStation ROG ally that <coughs> has cloud streaming. Uh, uh, the bespoke PlayStation Marketplace for PC. You know, you can get trophies here. You can play your PS5 remote play. You can cloud stream. Oh, by the way, it's a PC, but this mm. is PlayStation branded because I don't see them doing the work when there's already people doing it. Right? Like, why would they? Like, they did it with Backbone, right? Like, you can use. I'm sure you can use the PlayStation Backbone to play Game Pass games on your phone. Undoubtedly. So why would they care if you could do that on a handheld? If they're like, okay, we'll partner with ROG or we'll partner with Steam. Who the fuck knows? And it's a it's a fucking blue and white PlayStation and it says PlayStation Portable Deck on the back. You know what I mean? And then it has all mm-hmm. these bespoke PlayStation features. I think that's the route I could see them going rather than you know spending 10 years on RODing what's already out right now. Yeah, I think my final word on it would be this, just to add a little bit of clarity to what I was getting at. Um, the reason I don't see Sony pivoting away from VR to pursue that market uh, because of the fact that there's not really a lot of cross-section, like they can service both of those easily if they choose to do so. But the reason I'd say they wouldn't pivot away from VR in it is that pivoting away from handheld was a specific decision because the Vita failed... Uh, his, the, the Vita sold more than most handhelds that have ever been produced, but it still didn't sell anywhere near Nintendo's worst handheld they've ever produced, the 3DS, in terms of sales. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because Sony bowed out after phones were bringing more competition and Nintendo themselves were bringing more competition uh, when they did their second chance off of what they already considered to overall be a failure in comparison to Nintendo with the 80 million PSPs. Um, and so what I mean by that is that Sony was looking at something where in context to the industry that they were in and the corner of the industry that they were looking at, the handheld market, they failed spectacularly in. Sony has not failed to the same degree that the Vita has anywhere in the VR market. If anything, Sony has... Tr- typically been toward the top of the VR market. So there's no real reason for them to seed that ground until PSVR 2 is found to be as big a failure as Vita was in its own market. And I don't see that happening. The problem right now happening in VR is that everyone is questioning where VR is and where it should be. And the whole market is not is not 
growing as quickly as everyone wanted. But the whole market and Sony within it, uh, Sony are near the top, if not still. They haven't talked a lot about VR, PSVR 2 sales, but to be honest, neither has Oculus or really any other VR maker. So I'm assuming that most headsets are kind of in a similar place and PlayStation's in a pretty strong spot. They're not failing spectacularly. So why would they bow out right now if they don't, if they don't have to? So, yeah, um, no, I agree with you. All right. Well, Chris, unless you uh, object for some reason, we're going to move into the sexiest part of the show. You I ready? have no objections to getting sexy. Let's go. Well, Chris, Did you he have fix one. Of, it? It you is have my one, birthday episode. You have one objection to getting sexy, and that is going to happen when you hear the end of Velvet Corner. <laughs> You asked for one thing. It's my birthday in three days. You had months to fix this. So I technically have three days to fix it. Yeah, but it'll be a belated birthday present. and oh, I can just send it to you on your birthday fixed. I don't have to open it on my birthday. and then it's just You don't fault. have to. <laughs> on next day air, a, a birthday card that when you open it, it starts doing the... That would actually be fucking hilarious. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? I don't know how to do that, so I don't think I can pull that off. (laughs) But if I can, I will. Now, listen. This week's game uh, is a quiz, and it's called Quotal Recall Movie Edition. So Velvet, of uh, who we've named Velvet's Corner after, Velvet Thunder, has said, I've collected quotes from 10 video game film adaptations, and you just need to guess which film the quote is from. You'll be going head to head, so this is competitive, and the winner gets to pick a punishment for the loser. <laughs> Good luck, gentlemen. Okay. Oh boy. All right. So tell me again what we're doing. I want to be. Right, so there are specific. ten. There are ten quotes from ten video game film adaptations. Oh, we have God. to guess what film the quote is from. Fuck. Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. Quotal Recall, movie edition. Quote number one, I'm wet, I'm cold, there's a fish on my head, and clearly I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's see. I don't have a guess, bro. Doom? I don't know. That would be so funny. Wait. I'm gonna say House of a Thousand Corpses. That's not it. <laughs> that's a movie. That is not a game. These yes. are that, no, that's oh, what I said. These are oh, oh, these, these the are video game filled adaptations. No, 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 no. It's a game. House of the Dead. House of the Dead. Okay. Apologies. I don't think this is it. I'm gonna be honest with you, but I'm gonna say just because I don't know what else. I'm gonna say Uncharted. <laughs> I don't remember this line. I don't but remember it, but that, that movie's sounds... pretty forgettable across the board. So um, I'm in a Papa John's. The, the like one it. part of the movie I remember because I was just like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> I like that movie. I know you did. Let's find out. Sonic the Hedgehog. I do remember that. Yeah, damn I remember it. it now. It's actually one of the better. Uh, damn. One of the better movie adaptations. I mean, uh, you know, depending on what you want from it, but dude, Sonic 2 is so fucking cool. Um, anyway, quote number two those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. I know this one. Uh, Mortal. Is it Uncharted? 
What do you think it is? You put your answer in. It's gonna be. I'm gonna be such a jackass if I think I've got it and I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't have a guess. So you don't have one charted. I'm going uncharted because I don't have another. It, Dead or okay. Alive, maybe. Oh, there is a movie adaptation. I'm gonna go with Dead or Alive. Fuck it. Or am I thinking of Street Fighter? I know Street Fighter has a movie adaptation. I think John Claude Van Damme is in it. <laughs> what was it? Because you froze for me. So, oh, so I think uh, so I think Street Fighter has a movie adaptation that John Claude Van Damme is in. He does. Yeah, that's true. He plays Guile. Uh, okay, I'll tell you, and I have to be very specific because technically this movie has been or this video game has been adapted into a movie twice. Oh, and I've not seen the newest adaptation. Um. Or at least two different series wise. Uh, this is, if I'm not mistaken, Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat movie from the mid 90s. I think it's like 95, 96. Annihilation. Uh, no, the first one. Annihilation was like 97, 99, something like that. Got it. Uh, are you ready? Do you, Go for it. You guessed Dead or Alive, or did you change I'm it? I'm going Dead or Alive. That's fun. Mortal Kombat 1995. Let's go. Wow. Let's for you. go. Old Johnny Cage, if I recall. All right. Quote number three I don't believe in heaven. I believe in pain. I believe in fear. I believe in death. Bro, I don't know what this is, but this is grim dark. Doom. Actually, I was thinking Doom because of uh, Doom 3 is what is the primary yeah. intro, like, uh, inspiration. And Doom 3 is all about demons and shit. I'm going Doom. That's all I got. Hmm. I'm trying to think of any other video game adaptation that would be talking about this. I don't believe in heaven. It's like, what other video games are religious enough to be talking about heaven? That's kind of where I'm trying to go in my mind. I don't know. I want to say I'm going to say Doom as well. I wish we had different answers, but it's going to be so funny. It's going to be like oh Mario my god! Movie. I do. Re- I remember this line now that I've clicked the answer. Did I say it? it I forgot Mario? all about this movie until just now. Okay. Oh, I forgot all about it. It's Max Payne. It's Mark Wahlberg's Max Payne. <laughs> I never. I saw that movie, but I never would. Have I've seen it. It's quotable. I have seen it. I don't mind it. I I don't hate it. But it's exactly like I was talking about with Ma- uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. I think it's a better movie if you just call it something that's not Max Payne. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, Mila <laughs> Kunis is in that. Yes. All right. Quote number four. So hold on. What about you're, one? You're, you're zero. one to zero. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's the collection agency. Your ass is six months overdue and it's mine. I don't. <laughs> hold on. Collection agency. Your ass is six months overdue and it's mine. Here's the thing. If Dead or Alive does have an adaptation, I've never it, seen it. It does. Street Fighter's adaptation, never seen it. I'm trying to think of other movies. I don't I've never seen the newer Hitman adaptation that they did. I saw the original one that they did with if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it Josh Duhamel or was it like it was. Timothy Oliphant or something? They look so similar, it's hard to tell. <laughs> no, it was Timmy, Timothy Oliphant. Okay. I've seen that one, but I've not seen the newer one with the uh, guy that looked more naturally bald. Um, I'm going DOA. Fuck it. If that- we're going... Here, I'll give you this. It sounds like fighting game dialogue. So if you're going DOA for the sake of competition, I'm going Street Fighter. 
Dude, you gotta watch DOA. It's the it's it's the is it like one of those nineties ones, sort of like Street Fighter and Mortal yeah, Kombat? It's, it's bad, but it's Jamie in a good Pre- it's Jamie Presley in the nineties in a bikini for ninety minutes. Oh, so. oh yes, okay. <laughs> there are worse I've been things. missing my whole life. All right, Chris, drum roll me. Let's find out. That was the worst drum roll ever. It's Street Fighter. Fuck. Point. <laughs> i'm just guessing (laughs) that was a big guess here's the thing though it's kind of like the sunglasses one it so obviously sounds like fighting game dialogue for some reason that you can kind of guess toward it but i actually remember that line because i really like the 95 model i'm I'm gonna say something i don't mind annihilation i don't think it's a terrible movie i don't either i thought the way they handled cyrax and everything was fucking cool in that movie i was also a kid so yeah um Quote number five, you know what they say about little girls, don't you? They say they never forget the first time they're kissed by a lizard. Did Gex get a movie adaptation? (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, what video game adaptation has a lizard? Dude, (laughs) I don't fucking know any of this shit. You know what they say about little girls, don't you? They say they never forget the first time they're kissed by a lizard. I'm wondering if there's like a... It's got to be something sci-fi driven, I feel like, you know? Yeah. Maybe a little more men in black. Oh, wait! Tomb Raider? No. Uh, Dude, I haven't seen it since I was probably seven. But... Is that... Look, I don't remember the line of dialogue, but the only video game adaptation that I know of that has anything to do with lizards, because that's how they chose to portray them in that movie, very incorrectly, is the infamous Super Mario's Brothers movie. Which is interesting to say, because while we're on this topic, they just announced that Zelda was getting a live action (laughs) adaptation, and I would have thought that Nintendo would have never live actioned anything again. I thought it was like the cat in the hat situation where the the Dr. Seuss family that has the rights to all of his things said that after the Michael Myers cat in the hat, they will never let anyone do live action (laughs) Dr. Seuss again. Um, I'm going to be honest. It is a guess. But unless you can think of something else that has lizards that has to do with video games, I'm talking this up to uh, what's that dude's name? Le- Leg- John Leguizamo or whatever. Yeah. And I, uh, what's the other dude? He's the guy from um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, isn't he? Hoskins? I'm not sure. I'm going to go Super Mario because it's a great <clears throat> answer and I don't have another one. So I'm just going to copy you. When was Super Mario? Like early 90s, late 80s? Early 90s, uh, 80s. Let's find out. I can find out right now. 1993. Damn, Chris, on the money. It is Super Mario Brothers, and it is 93. Hell yeah. So we we got points. Uh, So it's two to one? Two to one. Oh, three to one. I got Street Fighter. You're beating me. That one wasn't. Yeah, okay. Quote number six. When you're hurt and scared for so long, the fear and pain turn to hate, and that hate starts to change the world. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) I have no clue. I'm gonna be dead honest. When you're when you're hurt and scared for so long, the fear and pain turn to hate, and the hate starts to change the world. I've never seen this movie, but is it Assassin's Creed? Oh my god! Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm just gonna skip because I don't even have an answer. But you might be right. 
go with it because I can't think of anything else. Oh, fuck. It's Silent Hill. And that's such fuck, an man. obvious one, too. That's actually a great movie. I, nah, I, I really like. Now, the second one that they did, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's it's not the worst. It's not good either. <laughs> it's yeah. a direct sequel. It's really odd. Um all right, well, we both missed that one. Quote number seven, saw a dinosaur in a museum one time. It wasn't that big. Oh, my God. Well, Turok? here's the thing. I didn't watch. Did Turok get a fucking movie? I think so. Bro, I I, I wish. Dude, the 08 Turok or 07, whatever, the one that uh, Epic Games did was awesome. Yeah. Most uh, people did not like it, but I liked it. <laughs> here's the thing. I didn't watch this movie. Okay. I almost don't want to say it because... Okay, hold on. Read the quote one more time. I apologize. Excuse me. Saw a dinosaur in a museum one time. It wasn't that big. Tomb Raider. I'm going Tomb Raider. That's not a bad choice. The other one that came to mind is a movie I've never seen. But hold on. I I didn't watch the newest Tomb Raider. Did it have dinosaurs? Because the the Angelina Jolie ones didn't. That I remember at least. Shouldn't have said that because I assumed that they did. Well, I kind of went your route, too. I was like, well, actually, yeah, Tomb Raider has got the fucking T-Rex in the cave. Yeah. The last T-Rex in, in the world. And, and she Lord just Cross kills like, Bitch. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, well, is is wait, your answer wait, Tomb Raider? Because it's not a bad one. Uh, yeah, I'm just going Tomb Raider. And you might be right. Okay. I don't have an answer. I don't know if this is true. Or I, don't, I don't know if it's from this. Um, but am I wrong in thinking... Not Resident Evil, but the same guy who directed Resident Evil that I think Mia Jovich or whoever is married to, did they not do a Monster Hunter movie? They did. What do you think the chances are that this is them seeing like Diablos or some shit and being like, that guy being like, look at this dinosaur fucking thing. And then her or one of them being like, I've seen a dinosaur in a museum before and it wasn't that big. Because here's the thing. That sounds like the exact kind of shit you'd get out of the people that adapted Resident Evil. And be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a good answer. You're probably right. Fuck. Let's find out. Booyah! It is Monster Hunter. And I, now I feel almost like I need to watch uh, the movie and see that scene so I can see if my interpretation of what the scene is, is correct. <laughs> <It's> correct. <laughs> All right, quote number eight. Hey, look, you could stay up here and get shot in the head or come down here for a quick cuddle. Up to you. I'm going down. Uncharted. This actually feels like Uncharted. Yeah, it's Uncharted. This is for sure Uncharted. I mean, I could do be you wrong because I don't know. Do you think, think that this show. is uh, Mark Wahlberg's absolutely terrible Sully talking to Drake? Yeah, I think that's when they're getting shot, right? And he... Maybe. Yeah, hey, look, you one. could stay up here and get shot in the head or come down here for a quick cuddle up to you. I'm going down. Yeah, that sounds like Marky Mark. <clears throat> All right. Just on the chance of giving you a chance to catch up and for a competition. No, the game's uh, over. We've dog. already... We've guessed it once, huh? The game's over. I'm done oh, by three, it? and this is question eight. <laughs> yeah, if you get the next three, and I oh, miss the next yeah, three. Oh, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, I want to say Doom. Okay. If you're right, I'm going to shoot myself. I've been saying Doom all night. Fine. It's Uncharted. <laughs> okay, good. I got one. <laughs> Which I had a feeling, but I was rather. All right. Quote number nine. That suitcase perfectly holds my blaster sniper rifle, 245s, and a gag for irritating, talkative girls like yourself. This feels like Hitman. I'm going to go with Hitman because I don't have another answer. 
Look, the thing is, is that of the two of the Hitman, I don't know, but I think Hitman's a good enough generic answer. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. Could it be a Resident Evil movie? Oh, you know, oh, as a meta commentary on the... Yeah, the brief, I'm going yeah, Resident Evil. I don't you know, know which talking, one. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'm just You're Resident, Resident Evil. Evil. I'm Hitman. Let's go. Hitman. Fuck. <laughs> All right, it's really in the bag, but just for the sake of saying the last quote, you know, kid, it's funny. A couple of days ago, I asked Sarge for a little pussy. The next day, he brought you onto the team. Doom. I'm going Doom. Send it. <laughs> it's, it's fucking The Rock. <laughs> yeah, that's 100% a rock line. It's Doom. Nice. <laughs> it had to be somewhere in here. All right, Velvet. Thank you for the game. Uh, man. I think I realized what's wrong with video game adaptations uh, for, into movies. No one knows how to write the fucking dialogue. <laughs> oh, shit. I got a fish on my what's, head. I have got to look at Doom. I've got to look at Doom and see if this was The Rock. Because if so, that is so fucking funny. And I hope that someone has made an edit of The Rock saying this within that and then cutting <laughs> to Dom Toretto. <laughs> you know I like my dessert first. Oh boy. Where's the quotes part of this movie? Oh man, that is uh Oh, you're going to see if you can figure out who said it? Yeah. Yeah, that that seems like I, here's the thing, I don't know the rock's character's name in Doom. <laughs> but, Sarge. Nope, it was oh, not. Sarge is Sarge is his name because it says I asked Sarge for a little pussy. So I guess it's the guy talking about The Rock. No, it's just talking about some random kid. Literally to the point where it's like talks to the kid on the helicopter. <laughs> Wait, but it wasn't The Rock who said it? No, it was just, Corporal Dean Portman. What a name. That's a hell of a name. Hell of a name. All right, Chris. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> I had no clue who was going to win. I've been trying to figure out a fitting punishment. And uh, I think I've landed on it, Chris. Okay. I was a man of uh, I was a man of my word. And I wore lipstick for the first time in my life. I don't care how you go about getting it, but next week you're wearing lipstick. I don't love that. And the tables are going to be turned. Great. Sounds like fun. Hey, it's up to you to choose your shade. If you want, I can send you the lipstick I wore. No, I think I'm good <laughs> on that one. Don't worry, man. My herpes are just on my genitals. <laughs> Jesus fuck, man. Oh, God. All right, Chris. That brings uh, the sexiest section of the show to a close. So let's bid adieu. Velvet's Corner. All right, Chris, what's the community's take for the peeps this week? Do you believe in free will? <laughs> Please don't. No. <laughs> no. Um, is this a philosophy show now? We made it one. Yeah. It was. Um, <laughs> we, had like a good, we had a good 45 minutes of philosophy in there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Dude, I really want to get a developer who is anti-AI uh, on the show so that I can get their take on what makes procedural generation 
and working on top of it different from using AI as a tool. I, I genuinely want to hear that. I want to hear it so bad. I haven't seen anybody talk about that, but I had that thought immediately when people were talking about this. Like, what? How is that different? Um, that's not what I think the the community's take should be. I just think that that's a. I I would. I'm genuinely interested in hearing someone explain why in their mind that it's different so I can maybe get a new perspective on it, um, which is the goal of the community's take, which is to have people get a chance to push back on things we've said or offer up new perspectives. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, maybe it could be about uh, Wolverine being confirmed to be an Insomniac's universe. And if you are worried about Marvel, a Marvel games universe coming up and having the same issues that the MCU is going through. But that may be too broad. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I I like it. It's up to you, really. I don't have much idea of what we should say. Hmm. Well, I'll think on it. It's been a long episode. It's been two week break. Uh, it's been a little interesting getting back into the flow of things. So we'll just wrap it up. I will come up with whatever I think the community stake should be. We'll throw it out like we always do. If you want to be part of the community stake, then head over to social media and follow us on the uh, social media site, formerly known as Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook in a group called Triangle Squarely PlayStation Podcast. If you ask to be entered in there, I'll gladly let you in. Lastly, you can down in the description below, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on podcast services, you can click down into the description, find the link to the discord, hop in and talk with us day in day out, as well as a number of our other listeners and patrons. And if you want to join those patrons who have supported the show with more than just their time and offered a little bit more, you can go to patreoncom slash nartech and give as little as a dollar per month to support the show and be able to help with Chris's microphone shits to bed so that we can buy him uh, both an expensive microphone and an expensive interface for that microphone. But hopefully, we'll have no problems moving forward. So if you want to join those people, please go over and do that. As a shout-out and a huge thank you to the people that do do that, we always shout out the members who are currently patrons of the show, of which this month we have a returning patron coming back in way of Stingray X. So Stingray, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. We appreciate the fact that you want to support us a little bit more. And without further ado, we want to shout out all of our patrons by starting off with Spencer, Brandon Edwards, Alex, Barry Rogers, Stingray X once more, Easton328, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Donovan Williams, Matthew Green, and Sean Santarude. Thanks to each and every one of you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>